Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thanks for downloading the podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy, joined in studio by At The Races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. Producer D's in studio as well. There you go. To keep us all on our toes, we are also joined by, from ggs.co.uk, and a man who is currently, as this podcast is being played, on his way to Galway. In fact, he might even be in the champagne tent right now, Mr. Tony Keenan. Hello, and I just have to say, lads, uh, I've had a really curious week this last week. Um, my Monday started fairly normal last Monday anyway. I went down to Ballon Road for a little bit of a, a warm-up for heading west today and lovely track recommended to anyone. But then on, on Tuesday, um, I went to Dublin to see a play, The Great Gatsby in the Gate Theatre. It was all going very well until Gatsby himself appeared on stage. And you'd never guess who he's the spitting image of. Kevin Blake. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that ruined your night. <laughs> well, well but he was talking about um, how much he loved Daisy, and, and, and next thing I was going to hear, uh, scumbag bad each way, was all I was thinking going to come out of that mouth. And if I see if I see Kevin popping up down in Galway during the, the week in a pink suit, uh, we'll know where he got it from. Any, I, I couldn't take the poor chap seriously anyway. But um, and then and then and then last night. We see the other fella hosting a lovely girls' competition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a lot Ex- of fun. Explain yourself. A lot of fun. And dem- it's a charity event. Uh, this you year- can't justify that with charity. This year- <laughs> okay, first of all, there's a friend of mine who runs it, Deirdre Kelly, who is a, a lovely person. Um, so she's involved with the Domanway Chamber of Commerce. Second of all, they, it's this year they were raising funds for Meals on Wheels. And thirdly, I get to be surrounded by beautiful women for the night. You think oh, I'm going to say no to that? <laughs> Are you mad? So, because it's a charity event, I'm just I'm happy enough to donate my time to that and and do it. And look, it's good fun. The crowd in Dunmanway are great crack. There was there was plenty of. You can't keep a straight face. Father Ted quotes come to mind. So, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, people will think I didn't I do question. this twice. Twice I said it. First of all, I said it's uh, great to be back in Dunmanway for the lovely girls contest. When the when the first contestant walked off the stage, I said, uh, "Wasn't she fantastic, everybody?" And then I looked at the judge, Tony. There was three judges, Emma, Noel, and Tony. Sorry, what? What was that? I have to be impartial. Okay, of course. They all have lovely bottoms. <laughs> oh, jeez. Father Ted jokes. They never get old. Those young ones are 18 years of age. They've never even seen Father Ted. <laughs> of course they have. <laughs> Everyone's seen Father Ted. Look, it was good fun. The Manway crowd are great crack. We had a brilliant winner in Ruth Hurley. Last year's winner, Neve Hayes, is an absolute star. 
and I'll do it again next year happily I bet I, you will I did I did quite like being compared to Tomo on Twitter by, by TV's Tom Cates thanks thanks Catesy alright alright there big fella he met his wife and the best uh, the what was it the lovely lady competition from Doncaster or something like that I'm sorry he met Kelly Dalgleish at a lovely no, ladies no, no, contest no 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 not Tom Tomo Oh, Tomo? Yeah, that, oh, that's I was going to say, <laughs> say, how did Kenny Dalgleish's daughter end up with Tom at a lovely girls contest? God almighty. In the background, uh, we're way off point. Thanks, Kevin. And thanks to Tony for steering the ship. By the way, what was the name of that actor in, in The Great Gatsby that is Kevin Blake's doppelganger? Brad, Brad Pitt. <laughs> hey, Delusions of grandeur By the way, the giggle from D That was more than a giggle Long-term girlfriend and producer of the show is hilarious What's the name of the actor on that show, Tony? Just going to look him up here D's probably buying tickets here as we speak <laughs> I'm trying to find a picture, I can't find one I have him here, he's a chap called, called Paul Meskel Paul Meskel, alright He doesn't he doesn't really look like you in his pictures now, but whatever way he was dressed in it, he looked Gavin, anyway. We believe you, Tony. We believe you. Okay, let's get on with it. The whole point of this was we were going to go straight to the tips and then talk about all the big stories like Brian Cooper, Yarmouth, and the farce that went on there, uh, enable sensational victory and roly-poly uh, at the end of the podcast. And then Tony takes us off with a great Gatsby monologue. I think people enjoyed all the, the random ramblings last week. <laughs> yeah, except for the fact that in my brain I was thinking of Adrian Peterson because he's just signed for the New Orleans Saints. I was thinking they could be real Super Bowl contenders because true Breeze is a top class quarterback and don't don't highlight the mistakes just keep and going and then both of us <laughs> forgot about the fact that it's actually Arian Foster who was on the Joe Rogan just podcast keep going, just keep going both of us forgot it I mean you think one of us would remember. I didn't even know that <laughs> you listen to the podcast <laughs> yeah but <laughs> Roy Delargy's here as well from the Matchbook Betting Podcast hello Rory good evening are you okay sir have you recovered uh, mostly yes I've, I've managed to crack open uh, a bottle of uh, malt whiskey. So that's what I'm talking about. It's not so much that I'm feeling better, is that I don't care so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if, if in doubt, drink it out. Roy Delargy giving up on life. <laughs> right, on to, on to Galway. Uh, we're kicking things off bizarrely uh, in a situation where Dermot Weld is not favourite to be champion trainer at Galway because his form is shocking. Uh, Tony, you were just highlighting the fact that Jim Bulger and Joseph O'Brien have the market leaders with Joseph having an odds-on favourite in the seven-furlong two-year-old maiden. What in the world is going on? Very unusual situation. I think Dermot Wells is big as six to one to be top trainer. Mm. Jeez, uh, there was a time where it was betting without Dermot Wells um, top trainer and, and there wouldn't even be odds quoted. So it's a it's a very unusual situation. He, he didn't even have an entry in this race and... Um, uh, again, uh, Dermot Weld, I think, is a 20 winners all season on, on the flat, and um, Joseph Brain is a 21 in the month of July. Wow. So that's a fairly mad stat. I just read that in the Racing Post there now. Um, and basically, you've got Willie Mullins, is short price favourite there for the to, to win the top trainer again after last year. And Joseph has been heavily backed, I think, in from eight into nine to four to be top trainer. I, I used to think Willie take a bit of beating to be top trainer. He's What has he had? Seven and eight winners each at the last two meetings. He he doesn't run a massive amount of horses at Galway, but anything he, he runs seems to be ready to run for its life. Um, but Joseph certainly couldn't be coming into it in better form, and he's got a couple of short ones tomorrow. This Medal of Honour in the two-year-old maiden, and he's got Larishburg in the first, and he's a fancy horse in the bumper. So yeah. uh, 
But very, very interesting times. The, the top trainer will be good fun. And as will, the, I suppose, the knock-on effect of that is the, is the top jockey. So that's going to be probably a little bit more open than it has been with Pat Smullen on the flat and so on. So given the fact that Joseph could have... Kevin was actually saying this off-air beforehand. He could have three winners tomorrow. I mean, he's got a very short price favourite in the first, He could example. have five. Yeah, he could really... <laughs> so he could be... He could end up being favoured at the end of the day to be overall trainer. And if that's the case, would you then look at William Mullins with the strength he has to come? I've actually ready back, ready back Mullins. Okay. Um, and but maybe it was nearly before I saw the entries um, declarations for today now, or to, which is less than ideal. But anyway, I still think Willie will have enough. Joseph's winning a lot of races, and a lot of that is um, down to his skill of placing horses in the right race, sort of ordinary races. Well, I know maybe this maiden tomorrow is a little bit of an exception, but there aren't too many ordinary or uncompetitive races in Galway, you know. Um, and I, I just looking at the entries through, I had a good look at the entries actually for Monday through the tours. And Willie would look now to, to have a much stronger hand in, in some of the novices. He's got some, he's got some nice entries in some of the flat races too. Um, High Haven was one that actually jumped out at me in that um, amateur riders maiden on Galway Hordle Day, and it has been one that would be very hard to beat, and so on. Okay, so you're quite keen on Willie Wallens to be champion trainer, Kevin. I'm just trying to think, Tony. High Haven was in a race last week at Ballon Road and was pulled out. I'm trying to think what the reason was. I'd say it was the ground because it, it, it did dry out plenty. It was, I think it was yielding to soft at, at declaration time and it dried out to good. So um, I would imagine that was the reason. And she had a couple of runs on softer. I don't no, think that was, the, I don't think that was the official reason. Nasal discharge. Yeah, that was it. They just got at the same time as you. Yeah, that, that's... You could, maybe, poten- maybe. you could potentially take it as a negative, but we, yeah. uh, you know yourself with these things. Sometimes the, not saying that's the case in this case at all, but sometimes the the, the excuse doesn't match up. With uh, the views uh, uh, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> of Kevin Blake are not necessarily those of the Final Furlong podcast. Uh, Jamie Trainer, would you go with Mullins as well? You were quite oh. interested in in Joseph, just frustrated that the price was gone. Yeah, it's, he's. In, I think Joseph will make a fast start. And it's where the Willie can claw back later in the week. You know, that's that's the way it's going to pan out, I think. Mm. Um, if you're with Joseph, I think tomorrow is a very big day, or today, as we should say, I suppose, um, is a very big day. I think he has a very strong hand. You'd be sick if he didn't have at least two winners. He could readily, mm. ha- he could readily have three. Four might oh. be asking a bit much now, but... Um, he could do it, though. Well, he could have five, but yeah. he, he looks to have three particularly good chances. Two of those are exceptional chances in my book. Um, in La Richburg in the first and Medal of Honor. I think they've both taken an awful lot of beating now. Right. now that, that opening half is hurt is a good race though. Oh it is, no, it looks a really, really interesting race. And champion jockey then. So Pat Smullen is still favoured for this, but of course most of his rides are gonna come from Dormit Weld and we're very, very concerned about his stable form. Because well, it's terrible. There's a key difference here in that you can look at the trainers championship and you can see pretty much the majority of the entries for, for a good section of the week and you can see mm-hmm. what they're likely to have jockeys we don't have a clue you yeah. can only imagine Pat is going to be even if he's not riding loads for Dermot is going to be heavily in demand for all the handicaps because he rides the place so well Yeah. so you can take it for granted that he's going to end up on plenty of nice horses but you're guessing essentially so I think it's very difficult to make I know, of course the trainers championship to an extent you're guessing as well but I think you certainly have a better steer with the trainers than the jockeys so I wouldn't come into the I wouldn't come into the trainers but to the, sorry I wouldn't come into the jockeys championship with a big view alright Tony yeah exactly same as Kevin there I would have no opinion I don't think you'd, you'd have anything to base it on 
On that note, let's move on to the selections for day one. So, so the feature race will be live on At The Races at 7.40. The Connacht Hotel Handicap, over two miles and one furlong. This is a race that Dermot Wills has won on numerous occasions. It's a race that you wrote about in your article, uh, which is available today on AtTheRaces.com. The five biggest gambles, racing certainties, to be sunk at Galway. Ugh. Rory has a strong view on this, though. <laughs> yeah, I was going to look at some of the handicaps. But um, Blake's ruined it for everybody. <laughs> Basically, you pour through the form and you find out that something's been laid out that's literally got four stone in hand. <laughs> and then even if you're tipped off about it, it gets beat anyway by Harry Rogers. By Harry Rogers. So, yeah, just like Harry Rogers' horses, really. Blindly back Harry Rogers all week. Which brings us to Tony... Well, Harry has a right chance in, in, in this one here. He, he's one of and the couple Harry. of them. Pinky! I give a chance to it. Um, I actually love Harry Rogers as a trainer. Jeez, if I, if I ever have a horse in training, it, it will be with him because just run every three days. Like. <laughs> um, and the win once or twice in the summer and you get all these great tracks, Bellistown, Galway, every country. All the country tracks, all the good tracks. What a man. I, I think Harry's going to have a good week out of one or two of his horses in mine, but I'll be starting off with this one. Benke absolutely loves Galway. Um, second in this, or sorry, third in this race last year of three pounds lower. Sort of has had, a, had a, an ordinary enough campaign in the early part of the flat season, but then he was given a bit of a break and he's after running an, an excellent race in a listed race at Down Rail on Friday night. He's after finishing fourth to... Look, they're not brilliant listed horses, but they're still horses rated in the high 90s, 100s type of thing. Mm. Um, bit of a pace collapse, but still an excellent run of a break. He was sent off 33 to 1. I thought it was a screamer. Exact same prep as he's had last year. He's drawn here beautiful in two. He's a horse that likes to go forward. Low draw around Galway. Oh, a bit of a help if you're, especially if you're going to go forward. And um, it's a bit of a crazy price at 20 to 1 plus, really, I thought. So I really fancied him. Um, and the other horse I throw into the mix here. Is a horse trained by um, Sneezy Foster Miles to Memphis. This horse has the unfortunate problem as a hurdler, he can't jump hurdles. Um, he's terrible at them, <laughs> but he's very good on the flat. He's won, he's two from two on bumper, and he's now two from two on the flat. Um, great run, the, win the last day at the Cora in the ladies' derby there. Um, yeah. And the mile and a half really wouldn't have been suiting. Her. People are looking, that's, you know, that's a ladies' race. Look at the, some of the, the, the people who are riding in that. That form probably isn't great, but actually it brought together a, a number of horses that were sort of on the up, notably Jerry Lane's horse there, Sandstorming, Zeftan has come out of it in one since. Time figure and sectionals back up to it was a pretty good race. She looks, that Sneezy Foster horse looked criminally let in only up three pounds for it. I think back up the two miles of suit. The draw, I suppose, in 19 isn't ideal, but I see you're saying that the horse likes to race away from animals, so maybe that that could be an advantage. And one massive thing in this um, is that Lisa O'Neill is riding. Now, a lot of these horses will have been running in races with um, just normal flat jockeys on them, and they'll never have had the, the, the amateurs uh, up before. But Lisa O'Neill has ridden miles to Memphis the last twice. It's a massive plus. Um, that you know the horse. Like there's something like Powers Bomb. Some people be fancying Powers Bomb tomorrow. I don't know anything about this jockey that's, ri- that's riding it. The only mm. thing was the, the chap has only had two rides ever on the rules in the Hunter Chases. Like it's a massive ask then to come round and ride a tricky track like Galway on a very tricky horse like Powers Bomb who can be a little bit of a mentalist. Um, he could be a very he, exciting prospect as a, as a jockey, but it's it, going to be extremely difficult at Galway. Pure inexperience. 
yeah. inexperienced stuff here. Very difficult horse to raid. So, um, yeah, Lisa O'Neill having the, the plenty of experience, she's well able to raid. So we know that winning Kerry Nationals and so on yeah. and having the bit of familiarity with Mavis to Memphis. So I, I think the two of those are, 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 are very big prizes. In a race for these sort of flat horses look to be very overbet, you know, the sort of wonder lash of Charles Bournes. Yeah, fair enough, Charles Bournes. Yeah, dead on. Um, horses run once in two years. You know, mm. things like this. Uh, Tony Martin's horse, very similar, hasn't shown anything since arriving with him. So I just, like a lot of talk next week, or this week, sorry, will be about plot horses and horses laid out. Yeah, there will be horses like that who win races. But time and again, it's the horses with the, the good recent form coming into it that will, will offer the value because you've got an overbet plot horse or you've an overbet, oh, Dermot Weld has been saving this horse for the meeting or Tony Martin has been saving this horse. They will have their winners, that's fair enough. There's diesel launders going again. <laughs> <laughs> Business is good. Set your clock back, but concentrate on Every the time. format. That's, that, that's where the value will be. Okay. Uh, if... <laughs> Producer D has been trying to figure out a way of getting the diesel launderers muted out of Tony's. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where where he broadcasts from in the house. They still manage to find a way to have the sound effects in the background. Um, Kevin, your view on the big feature race at Galway on day one? Um, You're a yeah. big Benke fan as well. Oh, I'm a, I'm as big a Benke fan as, as there is going now. He ran a cracker in this race last year. He did, and I, I, I hate being critical of Harry now because I love Harry, but I... I I was annoyed with him last year because look like Tony says this is what Harry does he runs his horses and he's a great trainer to follow from a betting perspective because his horses are generally quite big prices mm. um, because they run so much um, I had this horse in mind for this race all of last season and I remember he came back um, he had a lovely lovely run at Sligo coming back from a short little break lovely run off 90 magic run and I right Harry just Put him away. Put him away for Galway. You've only a month to wait. Just put him away. Put him away. He'll win. Just put him away. He runs the Bellis down two, two, day, two days later and wins. And then goes up to Down Royal and finishes second in a listed race. And runs out five pounds higher and finishes a, a lovely third. Yeah, it was a fine race. Uh, I remember backing him on, on your say-so. Oh, he's a super, he he's a super, super horse. He won there the previous year in what was per- perhaps the greatest case of sweet, sweet justice ever seen on a race course. <laughs> and I, I am biased here now because I had an involvement. But uh, it, 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 that's one of the races in my, in my article about the five biggest yeah. racing certainties beaten because it turned out to be the hottest knots, I think, 80 handicap of all time, probably. Um, you'd Heartbreak City, who had literally 50 pounds in hand, punted off fella. the boards. You had a horse at Charles Burns as Crystal Pearl, punted off the boards again. And then you had Benke, who was very well backed, who'd been honestly campaigned through the whole summer. Um, just, um. Just, just had his ideal conditions on the day. And it was a super horse race and Binky, after looking beaten around four different times, came back and won in the line. What for the good guys? <laughs> I, got, I got a great trail out of it anyway. Can we can we please get a t shirt or a meme of Kevin Blake? Hashtag one for the good guys, hashtag sweet sweet justice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that that race was incredibly sweet. But anyway, um he's back down to a workable mark now, definitely. Physically he's a horse that's always going to improve with a bit of racing because mm-hmm. he's a big, gross chap and I'd say Harry yeah Harry doesn't be hard on him now I'd say at home and they just that's why they tend to run into form and they they tend to have a lovely kind of predictable arc of form and uh, like Tony says he ran a lovely race at Down Royal funny sort of race to watch but Benke ran very well the draw has been good to him Uh, type of horse now I don't think he wants to lead but if something can give him a lead and he can boot on there at the bottom of the hill and he'll run a stormer look 40 to 1 was was, uh, horrendously 
put together price I know it's easy to say it after it's gone he's still a big price now but whoever put that 40 to 1 in as an ads compiler now should go, out, go outside and do the right thing because um, that's because that's, that's just horrendous ads compiling um, producer D is shaking her head it really was by go outside and do the right thing Kevin Blake means go outside and compose have your resignation yeah, yeah, have a chat with yourself and compose your resignation letter and just let fly anyway <laughs> I like a couple in this uh, the, oh my gosh the main one and there's been a few Bob for him as well is is it's very look I I often find it pays to keep it simple at Galway lads we touched on it briefly last year um I love a rock solid horse that's proven around that you know he stays you know he handles conditions you know he likes the track uh, my old pal Swamp Fox I think is rock solid again here <clears throat> uh, he won this race last year I fancied him for the Fred Winter I think two years ago he and he got, he got balloted out the fecker but he's won plenty of races since and Joe Murphy after what isn't an unusual thing for him Joe often has a, a slightly slow start to the season sort of April May time and then once they start winning they they keep winning and he's in the winning phase right now. This horse has won his last two starts and handicap hurdles. Um, he's since he last run of the flat, he's a stone higher over hurdles. He's improved the stone, but look back in his flat form. He won this last year off seventy-seven and bolted up from a rotten draw. Bolted up um, off seventy-seven. He, I fancied him the next day to win the um, the Irish Zarwich. And it wasn't Wayne Lorden's finest moment. Huge Wayne Lorden fan. You don't, you'll never, you, you'll rarely hear me knocking any ride Wayne Lorden gives a horse because he doesn't often make many mistakes. But I thought he gave this fella a poor ride in the day. Um, he made his move kind of needlessly early and ended up in front too soon and got um, got nobbled late, late on in the day. Um, may not have won regardless. He was beaten a leg to three quarters, but I don't think he was given the, the very best chance on the day. And he had a poor run then after that, which we won't get too worked up about. But he's improved the stone. I think that run of the Irish Cesar, which off 85 suggests that he's still off a winning mark to me, off 87. We know he loves Galway. He's, he's won a couple of times there. And the ground will be absolutely no problem. The draw has been kind with seven. Johnny Barry rides. Again, look, you won't get loads of prizes for creativity with a selection like this, but he's still a very reasonable price. And it's one of those now that you'll always need a bit of luck in this race. But if mm. he gets any sort of luck now, I'd be, I might be going outside and having a chat with myself if he doesn't hit the frame <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll keep this simple. So reverse forecast, Swamp Fox and Pinky, and we'll all go to Dubai afterwards. They're too, like, yeah. and that's it, lads. Look, yeah. Galway, like, as that, that article I wrote shows, funny things can happen in Galway. Yeah. You, you can be, you can make exactly the right decision, mm. back exactly the right horse, and something w- will will go wrong, and you'll find yourself one the one to beat you. But the likes of Benke and the likes of Swamp Fox are rock solid, rock solid. And you'd be very disappointed if they didn't give you a great run for their money. Look, and Benke's three times the price of Swamp Fox. So, you know, I, I would I would certainly have Swamp Fox as a more likely winner, but I, I absolutely wouldn't put you off either of them, depending on whatever, whatever your taste is in terms of price. The boys love this race, and you particularly love this race. It's one of your favourite races of the week, so hence why we spend so much time on it. So Swamp Fox and Benke are the two for the lads in the future race. Um, anything else on day one to be looking out for? So we've got this Medal of Honour who's bumped into the Pentagon now. He was thrashed by him. Uh, but today, possibly his day? I think so. Um, look, people see loads of twos next to a horse's name and go, kind of get a bit windy. Mm. Um, I would have an opinion that he would have been looking for a bit of soft ground and he's going to get it here and this represents a, a big drop in class so that's probably the most important thing he's got a horse of Jim Bulger's to beat who's quite speedily bred and won't necessarily want this soft ground um, over stiff seven so 
if Medal of Honor doesn't win this he's going to be a maiden for quite a while I'd say okay. uh, the 7.05 the Clayton Hotel Galway.ie handicap uh, one of my favourite named horses in training the McGregor-nator. Uh <laughs> off top weight for Adrian Paul Keatley can you remind me uh, producer D somebody on the podcast likes Mr Keatley do you remember who that is and it's not me and it's not him and it's not Tony and it's not Rory it's not me either. <laughs> yeah, somebody does. I can't quite remember. Who could it be? Um, Tony, you're kind of in agreement with me here. You think this horse is overpriced? Yeah, I think this horse is a very big price now. He's 12 14 to 1 there. Um, really impressed with his win at Nace in late June. He beat the, he beat a, a horse that's a much shorter price than here called Nothing to Lose, but he's still £8 better off the weights. I thought he back, he he backed up into the corner then very quickly. I think three or four days later, um, in a, worked out a really good seven four long race one be silver code. He won again there on Saturday, and three other subsequent winners have come out of it. Um, I think it was just the big effort at Nace took its toll on him. He was backing up too quick, and the ground was too quick. Now he's going to look like he's going to get soft ground tomorrow night. He's down three pounds. He's in a lesser race. I really like this horse and I'm a little bit worried about him out in stall 11 but he is the sort of horse that goes forward so I'm hoping um, Danny Sheehy can get him get him out early and he's he's the most likable in this now for me anyway right. and anything else on the card on day one Tony to be backing oh that's that's me three yeah. I have a little sneaky one against the McGregor Nator well it's not terribly sneaky he's, he's found in the market already um, Michael O'Callaghan landed a right touch at Galway last season he had um, it right off with Intrepid Prince yeah and I, to be fair I think everyone has started thinking oh which one is going to be Michael's one for this year and I, I think the market is certainly anticipating that it might be delegating and I could definitely see the case for him mm. um, for her sorry lovely profile um, just touched off in a maiden at the meeting last year um, by a horse at Dermot Wells over this course and distance and ran a couple of nice races afterwards and maidens two runs and handicaps this year subtle promise and the handicapper I think has been very kind to her dropping her six pounds and coming back to Galway look it's the old formula show former Galway before go back there um, looks like she's been trained for it ridden by Sean Davis who could well make a bold bid for Champion Apprentice this year um, I've been a big fan of his for a while now he's riding very well um, the draw has been kind so yeah I, c- I could ap- absolutely see the case for her Stall 5 and Sean Davis claiming 7 alright that is day 1 of Galway day 1 of Goodwood on Tuesday uh, we will talk about the feature race in a second but first up let's chat about the Lennox uh, Lennox Stakes which is building up to be quite a good race this year uh, Mr. Roy Delargy uh, Lamado is in and we think he's going to run Spirit of Valor has suddenly found form after that cracking run behind uh, Libervido at Royal Ascot and then one last time out uh, Dreamcastle's been a little bit disappointing he's in the race Jungle Cat got to a winning start uh, Home of the Brave yeah, this is really this is building up to be a really fascinating race Rory it is um, I think the big question is what the ground is going to be like on the opening day because the Advance going is good to soft, and the weather going into the first day is fine, which makes you think it's going to be good ground. The going stick reading is 6.0, which suggests it's genuinely soft, and they've had quite a lot of rain this weekend. So if it is on the soft side of good, that's um, it's obviously a negative for Lamato, mm. um, and he's been pulled out before because of softish ground. So um, it makes it a little bit difficult to get um, to get heavily stuck into it, whether you're with or against the motto. Uh, Labrisa Breeze was interesting. He's been he's been backed off the boards, and he's only really shown his form at Ascot. 
So I'd just be a wee bit wary of him, although I, st- I do like Labrisa Breeze a lot. Um, his one run away from Ascot last season, he was a bit disappointing at York. Uh, and there are a couple of horses who've been trying the wrong trips and would have half chances back at this, like, you know, the likes of um, um, Acclaim and, and Dutch Connection as well, who are double figure prices. But um, it's it's a race I, I would struggle to have a bet in at the moment because I don't know whether the ground is going to be nearly soft or just genuinely good grind that makes a huge difference to this race, um, depending what the uh, what the conditions are. And of course, it'll it'll make a difference to the uh, the Goodwood Cup as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be, be huge. It, the, the conditions are going to obviously have a huge impact for the entire week as well. But from a punting strategy, does this mean that you hold off on any anti-post bets, even if you think, unless you found a rick in the market, does this mean yeah. you, you have to wait until the day? Yeah, the only I've, I've done a, I've done an anti-post preview. <coughs> for the meeting or for a matchbook and there's a few horses I'm interested in um, who I'd be happy in pretty much in any conditions um, but the one the one race the one day I struggled with was the opening day because I think it's very hard to, to call the going if you trust the clerk of the course then it's really going to be it's going to be good mm. and that shouldn't be a problem um, for the motto but make him make him the likeliest winner and it shouldn't be a problem obviously for, uh, for Big Orange in the Good Book Cup but if it is if it is genuinely dead grind and, and grind that's hard to get through, and that'll be negative for both of those. And it's really tough to get heavily involved um, without seeing how the track rides for the for the first race. There are, as I said, races later in the week where I wouldn't have such worries. There's a bit of rain around on Wednesday, which you know confuses the issue as well. But um, I think some of the the major races later in the week, I'd have I'd have fewer ground worries. You've got two. Um, horses who are clear on the ratings on the first day who are absolutely ground dependent yeah, um, and that's what makes it interesting you, at least you get, you get a decent shape of race to the Lennox and a big field for it biggest field I've seen for the Lennox yeah because yeah. Home, of the, <coughs> Home of the Brave is drawn in stall one is almost certainly going to lead them and that gives you a really good shape because he'll he'll tear off up the rail and they will all chase him and make sure he doesn't get too far clear. Um, and you should get a true run race and a true result. Uh, I would definitely be against Lamato if I thought the grime was going to be worse than good. And I wouldn't be mad. At the prices, you could definitely back him uh, at his current odds if you knew how the grime was going to ride. Unfortunately, you don't at this stage. And if, if the grime was good, he's going to be back in the morning of the race. And he's not a horse you want to pack at a short price these days because... No. Although he's brilliant, he he ha- is a fair time between wins, isn't he? Yeah, oh, it's a long time between drinks now. Party. I mean, he, he has been running well the last twice, but still. Um, if I pushed you for a selection, so if the ground was as they're saying it is now, uh, who would it be? At the current prices, um, I'd be interested in a claim at sixteen to one because he's been running oh. over a mile and six furlongs in his last two races. And for me, he's a seven-furlong horse through and through. Okay, the one-armed Frankie Dettori coming through to win. Uh, Kevin, your thoughts on the race? I'd, I'd echo Rory there with a claim. Okay. Um, I liked him. I liked him going into Ascot. I thought the, the drop to six would suit him. Um, and things just went wrong. They went wrong. Watch the race again. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I can't describe exactly what happened, but he basically didn't get much of a clear run. And the race was over by the time he, he got into the clear. And he still made reasonable enough late headway seven should suit him well you know I just I'm, I'm not convinced he's a miler 
you know, I was hopeful that the six would, would be fine for him, but seven should be a, a seven around Goodwood should be just fine for him. And I, I'm definitely happy to give him another chance. All right, the feature race on day one. Now, hold, of... on. hold on, this this is mad now. <laughs> I was saying to you earlier, I haven't had much of a look at Goodwood, but actually this is a host that sort of had him in my tracker from Ascot, so this is a bit of an advantage. <laughs> but we're all sort of fancying this horse. I would echo what, Kev, what the two lads are saying. That horse met the world of trouble in Ascot, and I'd say seven is its optimum trip, and seven on a bit of maybe ground that's not rattling fast too. So he, he looks a bit of a big price now at 14 or 16 to 1. We had a brief meeting beforehand and Tony literally said, Un- unless we're going to talk about Churchill, Winter, uh, I've no interest in chatting about Goodwood. <laughs> and then bursts in uh, to endorse the selection of acclaim for Frankie DeTori and Martin Mead. Right, the feature race on day one of Glorious Goodwood uh, is the Qatar Goodwood Cup Stakes, I think. Yeah, that's Rupert Bell coming back now, uh, having finally finished <laughs> celebrating. Um, just in time to go and see if he can celebrate again. Big Orange is going to be a very short price favourite here. Um, he's won. He's going for a hat trick of wins. He's obviously won the Ascot Gold Cup last time out. Uh, he's been called the People's Horse. Uh, Rory, can he justify such short odds, or should we be taking him on? Um, it's not. It's not a hugely inspiring bunch against him to take him on. But he is definitely not as effective on softish ground mm. as I find to my cost. A couple of years ago, I had, a, I had an absolutely massive bet on him by, by my current standards um, in, was it the Ormond Sticks at Chester? Oh, no. And, and he was he was awful. And then he went up to York. Very clever um, cookie. For, for the Yorkshire Cup. And he got an awful ride from Tom Quealy, who I believe pretty much got the tin tack after that. And finished <laughs> the work. And then, and then he pretty much proved unbeatable. From there on in, he won next time I had a 25 to 1 when I didn't nap him for the first time that season. Um, and the ground's probably okay for him if it, you know, if it's just a soft side of good. If it was genuinely soft, that would be a negative. Um, he's a horse who, who does um, like a fast surface these days. It's a massive plus for him that this race has suddenly has become a group one mm. because otherwise, you know, he'd be carrying a penalty for the, um, uh, for the Gold Cup. And the Guba Cup has been a group two for God knows how long. So it's a big plus um, that he's he's racing against inferior horses at level weights. And he's not a horse to take on lightly. He does deserve to be around the even money uh, mark. He's probably going to be a shade of odds on. If I thought the going was tacky, tacky soft, I would be against him. Just because it will it will not help him and it will give you a fair opportunity of getting a shock result. So could, um, could that shock result come from something like Stradivarius who's going to be getting weight from, from everybody? I probably um, take a punt on Simple Verse, who ran too bad to be true in the Gold Cup. Okay. Um, because conditions would be absolutely fine for her. When she's right, she's very, very good. Uh, and she has run a couple of stinkers in the last season. And I always seem to be with her when she does that. Um, but she seems to have got a dislike for, for Ascot all of a sudden, even though she is a... You know, she was a an impressive winner there yeah. as a three-year-old in the Philly and Mare Turf. Her last couple of runs at Ascot um, have been, well, two of her last three runs at Ascot have been poor. Um, whether that's course-related, I don't know, because she's run perfectly well uh, again in the um, in the long-distance cup um, last autumn. But when she's raced at Ascot in the summer, she's run badly. She ran an absolute stinker in the um, in the King George uh, last year, and she ran a stinker in the Gold Cup this time around. So Royal Ascot, essentially. Um, seems no good to her. But aside from that, her form is very, very solid. Um, she is a real class act on her day. So she's a big price because of what happened at Ascot. 
I'd be inclined to take a punt on her, but it's a race that could throw up a shock result if the grind is on the soft side. If it's not, if it's good, good to firm ground, then Big Orange really should get the business done because he is a is a bit better than these. All right, Kevin, Kevin Blake doesn't want to talk about this race, but he has written down on a piece of paper, nap of the week here. Uh, this is the one we should all be lumping on. He gets a hood for the first time. Ryan Moore is going to get it done on US Army Ranger. <laughs> this is totally untrue. Kevin Blake is napping up US Army Ranger on the premium service. Uh, let's move on to... Go- no, no, I, have, I have a quick one at a big price. Go, go for it. I wouldn't be shocked if... Um, Higher power ran very well. Right. Was stuffed by Big Orange earlier this season now, but softer ground will be, will be a big help. Will be a big help, I think. And getting a bit of cover as well. Got no cover that day behind Big Orange. Um, and, and things didn't go perfectly now in the Northumberland plate last time. And he All still right. managed to win. So I could see him showing. He, he, he's been improving since he's gone up and trip. Um, draw, not ideal. If he can get a bit of a tuck, um, get a bit of cover, um, I. Wouldn't be at all surprised to see him run well. Okay, so U.S. Army Ranger, the nap of the meeting for Catholics. So higher power, uh, your section. Day two of Galway. Uh, I think producer D will be spending most of the day in the Moet tent and paying no attention to the racing, but the best bet on the card, Tony Keenan, is... Uh, haven't really got this far yet. <laughs> uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing a column for Betfair every day this week, so um, I'm trying to sort of take it day by day. One horse that just was... Semi-interesting to me was um, Bo Satchel, who obviously loves Galway. Oh. Adrian McGuinness's yard are, are back in form in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bo Satchel shape of promise now um, on a couple of occasions there um, earlier in the year. Notably, there was one sort of mile race up the Cora behind Seawolf. I thought he shaped very well, um, and the Cora straight track doesn't suit him. He absolutely loves Galway. He's down to sort of a, a winning mark. He needs a couple to come out in the race that he's in. Seven falling racing his second last on Tuesday, but um, tied a little squeak. There's a horse I'm sort of interested in the Galway Mail. I'm not going to say anything about him just yet because I just want to see what the ground is like. And the, he, he's a big price. Ah, uh, here, uh, sneaky, Listen, sneaky uh, Keenan. Uh, what are you talking about? This is the final Furlan podcast. All right, we're not putting one, people away. One, there's one crowd priced up with this. I'm not going to ruin the price for someone because uh, I do fancy this. I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause the broadcast. Right, you can tell us what it is now. I'll send you a message later. Oh, you're too smart. You knew I didn't press pause. You're too oh, you're too crafty. Too crafty. These cabin folk, they're way too crafty. Right. You don't become the best diesel smugglers in the world by, by not being crafty. Do you, Absolutely. Do you have anything for day two, Galway? Um, I might have one or two. Let's hear them. I'm just flicking down through to remind myself now. What's for you won't go by you now, which he might not run on the second day, but he'll run at some stage, I'm sure. He'd be one that, that'll pop up. Um, again, look, the similar profile, the one that I'll be talking about the whole time. He's won at Galway before. He absolutely... <laughs> he won a flat handicap here um, two years ago by half the track of America 59. Absolutely diddled up. Um, hasn't got back to the Galway Festival since. But I think he's probably reasonably treated both on the flat and probably more so over hurdles. And he's entered in the handicap hurdle there on the Wednesday. And just keep an eye out for him wherever he turns up because Tony Martin um, has been deadly at this meeting in recent years. Mm. He's had a horrific few months, but they seem to be coming out of it at just the right time. So the likes of him now. And basically pay, pay double attention to any Tony Martin horse. Look, I won't get any prizes for creativity again. They tend to be well found in the market, but um, I would pay them particular attention this week. 
All right, day two of Glorious Goodwood. Uh, there's a horse that stands out for me here in one of the handicaps, but let's first of all go to the feature race, the Duel on the Downs, as Ripchester, who has been in fantastic form uh, in his last two starts in the Lock-in Stakes and at Royal Ascot, will clash with a horse who bombed at Royal Ascot, Churchill. But Aidan O'Brien has come out and said, we shall fight them on the beaches, we shall fight them on the... <laughs> We saw Dunkirk uh, during the week, which I liked. You, you. Were, I saw it. I was. I. It was good, but I wasn't blown away by it. I don't think it's Christopher Nolan's best film, but I think it's very good. No, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I, I wouldn't be going. I wouldn't be looking at it again. Cinematography is amazing. I think you had an issue with the fact that you can't get, you, you don't really get to know the characters. Well, it's a bit different. I think that was kind of the point, wasn't? Oh, it? Oh, of course, yeah, because he want, he wants to, he wants you to feel like you're there and that it is war. Tune in the Film Critic Podcast with Evan and Kevin. Welcome along to the movie podcast. It's D, Evan and Kevin. We're talking about movies and our views. D, what do you think about Dunkirk? Is this going to be Nolan's first Oscar? All right, Churchill. Uh, Kenny bounce back. He's a very short price uh, for a horse who was so disappointing last time out. But it never really came to light what went on that day. All we know is that he just didn't eat up properly the next day. I think they suspect it might have been the, the heat. It might have been the heat, the travel, the, t- the heat, the track. I was there, it was very hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was at, very hot. At least they allowed you to take your jacket off when it got to 30 degrees. Oh, 32. 32, uh, that was the rule, was it? If it got to 32 <laughs> degrees, you can take your, your, your tux off. What very warm. He, he's a horse that can often sweat a bit, and he got warm. Definitely a watching race for me. I hope he bounces back now, because I was really sold on him. Was after. he too far off the pace? Given that he seemed to run a bit flat in the day, probably, but that's that's hindsight, or you know, mm. um, re- watching race for me. Look, I really had bought into this. It was only it was a very short time after, you know, putting up a good performance on on soft ground that he, I don't think he'd especially like at the Carra. So maybe that I coming away from the race myself, I thought he was just a bit flat, and maybe it came a bit quick after the Carra. But it clearly wasn't him. Um, it clearly wasn't him. I'd love to see him bounce back because I I am a Churchill believer. I really like Ribchester. He's getting more professional with every start. He sets he sets the standard, no doubt. And Churchill will have to step up on what he's done in the two guineas to beat him. Mm. But it's entirely possible that he could. These are uh, two class horses. This is a proper race. Proper race and a watching race for me. Okay. Um, Unless I can find a sneaky scumbag each way angle. Lancaster bomber to make the frame. <laughs> the bomber. Uh, Churchill or Ribchester? Rory Delargy. Ribchester. Keeping it um, simple. I've got, got a very sneaky question. Is there any chance at all of Churchill not turning up for this? Well, we did see it with Glen doing, Eagles. Doing a Glen Eagles, as it's yeah. now known. I don't think he is as ground dependent as Glen Eagles. No. No, no, Alleg- he's not. Allegedly was. Well, he proved but, that at the current. Was, was the question really the grind with Glen Eagles? Mm. He missed it because... You get the impression with Glen Eagles, they just weren't happy with him. And it turned out the grind wasn't that bad on the day anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then they they pulled him very early, one. didn't they? They made a right mess they of that. They pulled him like a week before. Yeah. yeah. Pulled him and then took him out of the entries completely so they couldn't reverse yeah. the decision, yeah. which was strange. Because he could have uh, definitely run of the day. So that theory that he was probably flat is, is interesting. So, so you have a fear then, because he's a six to four shot, I mean, you're now getting on or no bet. But no, no, I'm not, I'm not reading the market as such. Um, I'm just I, I got to say when it, I, I thought about this a lot when Glen Eagles came along and I looked at the record of of precocious Guineas winners particularly horses who could go um, new market in the Curra, and there are a lot of horses who were brilliant in May 
who just couldn't sustain their form through the second half of the season. I would have had Glen Eagles down as, as much more flaky than Churchill. Um, and I don't specifically believe this of Churchill, but I would be against him in terms of profile. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you're looking to produce a brilliant dual Guineas winner mm-hmm. and you put all your energy into that and the horse has had four or five runs as a two-year-old as well, it, it takes a, a, an exceptionally good training performance to keep that horse at the top of his game in the second half of the season. And a lot of very good Guineas winners have just wilted badly um, in the second half. Oh. Now, Aidan O'Brien is an exceptional trainer and Churchill is has looked an exceptional horse, but I'd want to be against him on profile. Yeah, um, and Richester, as, as Kevin says, just gets better by the run. It's more professional. There, there are no real chinks in his armour. Yeah, one point I'd make is just the, the physical comparison between Glen Eagles and, and uh, Churchill. Glen Eagles it wasn't over big at, at all. No. Whereas Churchill is that bit more robust and possible. He's, like, poss- he's like a chaser. He's, he's, a go- he's a good size and he's probably li- yeah. a little bit more physically equipped to take the hardship in a way, but uh, it's an interesting I, point. I, 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 would, I would tend to agree with that, yeah. <coughs> I just think you've most, given... Most of those Guinness horses that I talked about, well, I haven't mentioned them by name, but most of those horses who, who peaked early and then faded away wouldn't have been uh, as robust looking as him but yeah. it's still a bit of concern you think about Henry the Navigator though and what a fantastic campaign he had yeah and he, he was, wasn't over big either no. you know, he just had a great constitution yeah he was real he was tough as old boots that horse um, I'm a big Churchill fan Rory's in the Ribchester camp Tony for you um, I'd have marginal preference for Ribchester um, I think George is fine on soft ground but Ribchester seems to really like it but at the prices I, I couldn't see myself having a bet OK uh, Will you be having a bet though in the better odds at Matchbook betting exchange handicap at 2.25 because I really like this Bin Batuta who was very impressive last time out and I think it's a pretty decent price if he goes um, Any thoughts on this race Tony? <laughs> Are you after asking me a question about an English flat <laughs> handicap when Galway is on? Just Jesus. to get your reaction. What? What's happening? <laughs> just wind him up. He wanted to see if you were listening to him. Yeah, there's a wind him up and let him go. I wanted to see if he even had the page open on the race. Uh, Rory, I quite like this Bin Batuta. Is there anything in the race that you're keen on? Yeah, he's not not jogged up at this stage, Bin Batuta, but that would be typical of um, of Godolphin, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there's nothing. I don't. I looked at a few of the handicaps, which are not the easiest to to work out at this stage. Um, but it, this wasn't one that I had a particularly strong view on, other than to say that um, uh, Mark Johnson's got a very strong looking hand in it, um, with the likes of um, uh, Hochfeld and. Londinium, both of which have Sylvester D'Souza on at this stage. Uh, but Johnson's got, a, got a, a shed load of horses in the race. And he does, of course, have an exceptionally good record in handicaps at Goodwood. But at this stage, with 36 um, entries um, and a few question marks, uh, I find it hard to uh, get too involved in that. Okay. Uh, no, not much of an interest from Rory in the Matchbook Betting Exchange handicap. That's at 2.25. Uh, at 3 o'clock, Wesley Ward is coming over. He's going to bring Happy Like a Fool, whose form has taken a knock after Heartache was very well and truly beaten uh, in France last time out. But this horse, you were talking about the vibe on track that day, Kevin, at Royal Ascot when she was running. The vibe seemed to be she could not get beaten, but she was. The vibe could not have been stronger. Could not have been stronger, but she was beaten. Um, oh. 
All right there, D. Deirdre has uh, been. What are you laughing at? She's there's a clip on Sky News in the Final Furlong podcast studio of people using their mobile phones and walking and then falling over things. And and one of them was a guy in an airport who fell over a caution slippery surface sign and didn't see it. But he was talking to a friend, so the friend didn't warn him. The friend was looking looking at us, and he just (laughs) fell right over. Somebody else walked into a glass window. Oh, If you go onto YouTube, there's a fabulous one of a woman walking along, and she's in a shopping centre, and she walks straight and head over heels into a fountain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that one was there Oh it's fabulous <laughs> Wonderful stuff oh, I hate that D was in stitches the, 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 the sheer temptation That goes through my mind When you're walking down a street And you see someone coming at you With their head down Looking at a phone Just every instinct in me Just shoulder charge them Just shoulder charge Do it Kevin Blake Do it <laughs> Teach them a lesson <laughs> Punish them Punish them You will do time for it But punish them uh, Happy like a fool She's what Two to one For Ryan Moore's gonna ride uh, Coolmore acquired a, a little a little piece of her. They've got a slice of the pie here. Um, the fact she comes over must be a, an indication that they think that she can better her performance at Wild got last time. Yeah, yeah, she need to. Candice was a little bit lukewarm on her that day. She was, she was quite keen to, to take her on. Yeah. No, like I say, they they think the absolute world of her. You know, she's got the balance. Is, is she better than what she showed at Ascot? That's the question. You know, yeah. you look at the race. It, there's not loads of reasons why you'd be jumping up down and say, "Oh well, you know." If X, and, if X had gone differently. Yeah, just if Hartek didn't run, she wins. But Hartek did run. And if, if the third, fourth and fifth didn't, yeah. didn't run, she would have bolted up. Yeah. <laughs> a, few, a few gloomy faces at Royal Ascot that day when she got beaten. Oh, we'll yeah. see if she can uh, reverse form in the three o'clock at Goodwood on the Wednesday. Is there anything else on the card, Rory Delarge at Goodwood, that tickles your fancy? Uh, yes. Oh. In the, um, in the opening race, which used to be the Goodwood Stakes, but it's uh, been re- renamed the Goodwood Handicap for some reason. Um, it's just a two-mile-five two contest that starts in front of the stands without stalls. Great, great race, um, the Goodwood Stakes. Um, you have got a decent bet in there in the shape of Taws for Rod Millman and John Egan. Now, she was second in the race a couple of years ago before being transferred to David Pike for a hurdling campaign. Didn't take to the regime at all. She didn't win over hurdles for David Pike. She then went back to Rod Millman, had a run on the flat, which was probably needed after a break and uh, was an inadequate test for her. She then won her only race over hurdles last time um, for Rod to show that she has, um, you know, that, that she prefers the, um, uh, the the slightly smaller yard in a different regime. She stays all day. She's fallen in the handicap as well. Um, she's in here off a mark of 83. Um the further she goes, the better she is. Uh, and soft grind is something she loves as well. She needs two mile four and upwards. Uh, and she is absolutely certain to run a good race. The eight stone four on her back. She's only a, t- she's a tiny little mare. Um, so what she wants is a, a real test of stamina and not much weight in her back. Uh, and she's got John Egan, who's riding as well as ever, mm-hmm. uh, riding. She's got a terrific chance. All right, and that is in the 150, the Matchbook Betting Exchange Goodwood Handicap. And that horse is 20 to 1 plus Taws. Now, let's get to the main betting event of the day. You can talk about your Churchill and Ripchester clash, which will be a visual spectacle. But over on At The Races, Kevin Blake will be building up alongside Mr. Gary O'Brien to the feature race of the day. Kevin Blake... The Galloway Plate. You cannot wait for this. Um, 
Not a race of my always love. Oh, my God. <laughs> Live on At The Races, Kevin Blake alongside Gary Bryan for the day. I would rather try to pick the winner this now than the hurdle. Like the hurdle's a nightmare race. Yeah, to it's work a out. real tough race. Well, not not so much a nightmare. You can you can find the best horse in it, but they won't necessarily win. That's the problem. There's an all, you need an awful lot of luck yeah. in in a Galway hurdle, a Galway place. Kevin, tell the truth. The Galway hurdle this year is a pile of shit. <laughs> oh, I think it's a good race. I just wouldn't fancy having to find the winner of it to save my life. Ladies and exactly. gentlemen, Tony Keenan, uh, bringing us the. Play. It's a brilliant race. Fantastic. Uh, bringing his insight from coming into the play of the Great Gatsby, bringing his insight into certain <laughs> races, and <laughs> Connor, as he sees it with the Galway hurdle, uh, the Galway play. We've got Shane Till intriguingly entered here, seeing as he hasn't run over fences since the RSA chase uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, the market is headed by Henry de Bromhead's horse alongside another Henry de Bromhead horse, uh, Balco de Flo and On Fiddler's Green, uh, with Shane Till alongside them. So, Road to Riches is in here as well, having won this race a few years ago, but having been in fairly abysmal form since 2015 uh, since he last won um, which way are you leaning here Kevin I like slow motion so I do um, nice sort of profile for the race she has only a five year old but has plenty of experience a lovely progressive form and the key run is the handicap chase debut last time at Punchestown things didn't go right and um, she absolutely I was, I was, she made a mistake two out that was the problem she jumped well up to then made a mistake two out and absolutely powered home uh, to finish second to definite ruby I'd say the added stamina test of this race will, will really play to her strengths I'd imagine she's been training for the race um, since then um, she's got a bit, a bit of rain which she'll appreciate She's only five. Where, where's the trends book? Where's Norville to tell us if, if five-year-olds have a good record in this race? I sure look to be fine. To be grand. <laughs> we won't get hung up on such things, but... We've uh, already talked about Joseph O'Brien's horses being in good form as well. Oh, yeah, they're in rage and good form. Rage and good form. And, um, yeah, I, I, could, I could definitely see the case. 10-6. I'm not sure what the crack is here with the, with the top wave. Valley Casey is going to run or not. Um, but is going to have a, a fair weight no matter no matter which top weight there is. They rejuvenated Belly Casey. Yeah, and um, she's the one. It's not it's not a bullish shout, but okay. um, she's probably entitled to be a bit shorter than sixteen to one. I thought. All right, so slow motion, uh, a double figure price selection for Kevin Blake in the feature race. At no Galway. idea who Barry Garrity's going to ride either. Yeah, I was just going to say that to you. Actually, no idea. Has there been any kind of inclination yet from? Barry G if there is, I right. haven't heard it. All right. Uh, your thoughts, Tony Keenan. Who's going to win the feature race at Galway? I thought this was a magnificent race, probably the race of the week. Um, recent years, the Galway plate hasn't been as good as the Galway hurdle, but this year it looks class. Um, Henry has a, a race. <laughs> They're up again. <laughs> One more run before sundown. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds sound like anyway, a bandage in the background, Henry, actually. Henry has this race... Um, Billy Short and Corley's really with the front two in the market um, I, I like Balco de Flow overall as a horse I had a good few quid on him in Punchestown rather than that novice handicap chase I think he's a little bit better than that he was trapped a little bit wide that day I thought he didn't jump great um, and I think the ground was also a little bit too quick for him so it looks like he's going to be on the slow side next week looking at or this week sorry looking at the forecast Um Jesus he's been well found with the market now at 7 or 8 to 1 yeah. I'd sort of leave him go with that price um, on Fiddler's Green is more of a summer jumper but he looks a very good summer jumper very impressed with him and Roscommon the last day 
travelled all over them caution distance winner in the Blazers last year yeah he is an obvious chance but he is going to get it very tight to get into this race now I know since the five days come out it looks a bit more likely but we know with Giggins Town and these stay in chases they tend to just run everything they've got entered uh, why wouldn't they maybe to keep some of the potentially better handicap ones out of it I'm not so sure he's going to get in um, I'd say it's it's, it's, it's going to be a, a tight call for him. I do respect those front two in the market. I think there's an awful lot of dross chasing them up, though, there in... Um, there's no spots sort of two through eight, three to eight in the market. Shane's Hill uh, looks like an afterthought to me. Horse hasn't jumped the fence in public since the RSA. Of, Strange uh, one, isn't it? Ah, well, sure, look at it. They, they, they think he's a horse. Sure, he didn't jump a fence in public in the RSA either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> 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 Jeez, he, he was he was horrible at his fences actually I think he's made mistakes every, all of his four chase runs um, look if 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 you thought this was maybe his, his big target you'd say okay fair enough maybe they've been intentionally schooling him all that kind of stuff he's over to France for two hurdle runs I'd say they're just going here because it, it, it sort of fits in it's a big part um, he he wouldn't be anything especially well handicapped he's still have a mark in the 150s you know he's not mm. locked in by any manner of means um, Sandy Mount Duke looks very harshly handicapped I wouldn't trust Arbor to be in a finish Lord Scoundrel has had one run really this year sort of an ordinary run in the, in the Irish National two horses I give chances to at a bit of a price where first of all Haymount uh, Willie Mullins horse apparently they're all running so that's good um, I think maybe connections are, and punters may be fooled in, a little bit into thinking this horse is a sort of a real out and out stay or four miler type of thing uh, look at that national hunt chase the race fell apart with fallers and bad jumping and hush pulled up injured and all sorts of things a bit deceptive now him finishing the frame and that I think you go back you look at his form around two and a half mile it's much better the form beating Coney Island and his beginners and then the second to Bells Hill in, in Limerick I thought they were both excellent runs he'd be very interesting and was pointed out to me by uh, chap Paul Zeke racing there on Twitter during the week he seems to be very good fresh which is, a, is another good plus and the other interesting horse I thought was a horse of Shea Barry's called Bentelemar um, he was running a, a goodish race there in the race won by a 12 field Leperstown chase back in January when he sort of got a bit unsighted coming to the last I think he would have been in the frame anyway that was a hell of a run for a horse having his first run handicap chase after three runs of beginners He's, he gave him a bit of a break he came back he won very well at Wexford and then he was beaten last time at the same track but it was over two miles I don't think I think that trip's way too sharp from two and a half and a bit of cut is what he wants so he's he's going to get that again on Wednesday so I take a chance on Haymount and um, Bentalamart though I, I would probably have a few quid on um, Henry's um, what do you call him on Fiddler Screen if he gets into the race Alright Rory your thoughts on the feature race at Galway um, I I would love to know uh, what Henry de Bromhead knows because I've, I have a sneaking um, fancy for, for two or three of his in the race, um, including Heron Heights, who's not particularly well fancied. Uh, I thought his form over fences last season read pretty well until he disappointed badly at, um, uh, at the Cheltenham Festival. That was in the RSA. Now, he's, the fact that Henry thought he was good enough to run in that race um, and he'd, he'd shaped as if he wasn't without a chance, I ended up backing him. At a big price that day, um, suggests that he's he, he's well treated off one three eight, um, but I don't know whether he's intended runner because Henry's got about four or five in the race, doesn't he? Um, but given he's he's ignored in the betting, you can read that two ways. I think sometimes people assume the market gets it right when a trainer's got multiple runners, but often what happens is people make lazy assumptions and horses who've got chances on form who don't appear to be the anointed one end up going off to a big price. 
on Fiddler's Green's obvious after that easy win at Roscommon last time out, and he's clearly going the right way, and that he may well be the be the the, the first string. But he's only getting two pounds from Heron Heights, who's um, I I think will be ideally suited by by track and trip as well. So I don't know an awful lot about it, um, and I wouldn't fancy my chances of finding a runner here, let alone a winner. All but, right, uh, not exactly a confident selection then from Roy. No, I said. I- because I, because I don't know the ins and outs of, of, of what Henry's going to run, mm. um, I would just say that if Heron Heights happens to, to line up in the race, he'd be interesting at a price. All right. Tony, is there anything else on Wednesday at, uh, at Galway that really interests you in terms of having a bet? No, no, not yet. Kevin? On this particular day? Yes, Kevin. On <laughs> <laughs> part of, is there anything else on Wednesday that interests you? <laughs> I didn't hear that. I was distracted. <laughs> what are you watching on that laptop? I don't think we want to know. Right. You've been, you obviously have been doing your research for At The Races. You'll be on with Gary O'Brien. Uh, you'll be live from three. Well, you'll be live from later in the day, but the first race today is 3.15. Anything else on your notebook for Wednesday? Um, It's just so hard because there, there's heaps of horses with multiple options I, you know, mm. I'm, I'm sticking to the big races for the time being alright and um, we'll, we'll highlight Water Sprite is going to run in the, the two mile flat handicap um, that she won last year uh, for Gordon Elliott potentially of interest but likely to be well found by the market but again I'm largely sticking to the, to the good races for now where we have a good idea of what's going to run because it's a team all week that's with the flat races you, you really want to know the draw before you're you're really nailing your colours are you doing a column for at the races during the week Benny Colin? Um on Goodwood actually ah interesting she's yeah. sticking to the UK side of things yeah just just to clarify on that I, I'm just stepping in to that column for the time being Jed Egan's on a, on a small break he'll be back soon hence why I'm doing the, these English meetings which wouldn't be which wouldn't be my speciality, to put it that way. <laughs> Irish through and through. Uh, right, let's get on to the... We'll stick with Galway, because we've already talked about the feature race. But the main feature race, the one that Tony Keenan is so excited about, the Guinness Galway Handicap Hurdle, live on At The Races at 4.35. We've already heard from Tony. He loves this race. He can't wait for it. Tony, what's the big bet in the feature race? Like, you, have, you have a horse in this... Um Tigress River of Joseph O'Brien's. Like, you, you can see him why he's favourite. Ran very well in it last year. Didn't come into it of a, I suppose, a less than ideal prep. He only had one run before. This year, he's he's in great form going into it, and he had a little bit of trouble coming down the hill last year. But, jeez, like it's a reflection how sort of moderate of a Galway hurdle it is when he is six or seven to one. Yeah, he's fine, but you wouldn't be saying he is. You wouldn't be saying, looking at this horse now, he's going to be going on to be on the fringe of a, of a champion hurdle or anything like that. There's been some savage winners of this and you could be going into it looking, Jesus, look at there's quick jack. He could have X amount up his sleeve or overturns and day ends and really, really good horse. I just don't think there's anything like that in it this year. Um, Timmy Ann's another one there. Look at, I, I didn't think he he, deserved, he he won with as much in hand in Belgistown as he got from the handicapper. Max Dynamite there. like Max Dynamite showed nothing really on the flat in 2016. You're going back to 2015 to look for, you know, his great flat form. So you're, you're really playing the man there if you're betting him. Willie Mullins, fair enough. You probably couldn't, you could be playing, you couldn't be playing a better man, I suppose. But just doesn't, doesn't scream like the, the, the race there where there's a load of savagely well handicapped horses. I suppose Golden Spear is going to struggle to get into it. The horse I came down, and I actually do quite like this horse because I suppose it's an ordinary enough race for a Galway horse. Pat Fahey's horse, Western, by a horse that was 
quite a good novice hurdler. He, he gave Vatura a fright one day in Punchestown, so much so they decided they were going to run Vatura and a delight novice hurdle to see did they get him wrong because they, I think they were a bit disappointed with him in Punchestown. Then he went and, and won the delight and, and went on supreme, and the rest is history, as they say. But um, went off the boil a, a little bit after that, but Pat Fahey brought him back on the flat then after a year or two, and he was bloody good on the flat. He, he, he was up rattling a couple of Premier Handicaps at Irish Champions Weekend and back at the Cora, rated up in the, in the mid-90s. Um, I backed him, I think, in Punchestown the year before last in, in a handicap order at a big price, and he, he was brought down when travelling well a bit, a bit in between three and two out, and I think he got a very dirty fall. He actually got a bad injury. I think they were very lucky to get him back at all. And he actually came back for the very same race at Punchestown this year. I think price-wise put him up. Uh, he didn't seem to be fancy at all. He was out like to 25s um, at the off, and he basically won it on the bridle. Um, absolutely hosed in. Said straight off that this is going to be the Raymond back at Galway. Um, bit of soft ground, but would definitely suit him at all. He could have got more for Punchestown. It wasn't a brilliant race, but um, visuals were pretty good. And I think with his old flat form and his bit of back class and novice hurdles, I thought 14 to 1 about him was, was a biggish price. All right, I'm liking the for a race that you weren't too keen on beforehand. I'm quite liking that. No, I, I, don't, I just don't think it's a great race. They go through the through the plate there, and really loads of very interesting horses to study and look mm. at and all that type of stuff. And I, I can see it. it. You can make a case from any of them been sort of well handicapped, but I just don't see it in this. But I do like Western Boy. Yeah, I think he's a right chance. Okay, Western Boy for Tony Keenan. So in the Galway Hurdle feature race on Thursday, Kevin Blake. Um, of the fancied ones. I'd probably make the case for Tigris River. Look, and I was—I still haven't got around to checking the record of, of horses that have been beaten in the Galway Hurdle coming back into the following year. I can't imagine it's too rosy, but um, things didn't go brilliantly for him Oof, in it last year. And they really he really didn't. And he looks in better shape this year now. He's just been very impressive his last twice, winning on the flat and winning over hurdles. Um, just looks a happy horse, like he's really enthusiastic into the bridle, travelling very strongly, and putting his races to bed very well. Um, look, you need everything to go right for you in the Galway Hurdle. And ideally, you need a bit of mid-race pace. And that's probably what cost them last year. But this year, he just looks a bit more hard into the bridle. And that'll be a help to him. But his price is his price. Max Dynamite. He's priced up that way because the perception is this has been his target all along. Oh, you can be sure it is. You can be sure it is. When you when you run well in a county, in a, in a Galway Hurdle, yeah. um, you're going to come back. He's, he's still only a six-year-old. Um, yeah look I, I can absolutely see the case there and wouldn't put anyone off if they fancy him um, Max Dynamite look could be could be thrown in if Willie has worked his magic and got him back to himself the problem for him is you know I think he could be a world hurdle horse you know I just don't know if he'll be quick enough for this you know that was what ultimately cost him in this race a couple of years ago behind Quick Jack he just wasn't quick enough and to, to, to take those gaps that you need to be able to qu- be quick enough to take in the race like the Galway Hurdle and he, he finished off really well um, but it was too late Quick Jack was away and gone and I could, I could see him running into the same sort of issues uh, this time round um, so look it, I don't have a wildly strong opinion on this race but I find myself entering outside the front few at the minute um, and I think Pyromaniac's interesting. Oh, Tony Martin. He was the big sneaky horse last year that was right. surrounded by controversy going into it. Um, they had to go to the courts to get to be allowed oh, to run yeah. it. It was a big controversial Shot. case. Um, he went off near enough Fav for memory. Um, just looking here, he went off 7-1. to one, And the race just went terribly for him. He was strung out wide the whole way. And you just can't get away with that in the Galway hurdle. He was beaten seven lengths. Uh, Look, Tony uh, Tony Martin's team hasn't been in super form 
for much of that time since to be fair um, he's been running over fences which isn't exactly the kind of prep you want for your Galway hurdler but we saw last year hitting Cyclone there he won a Galway hurdle last year um, a died in the wool chaser um, he had a better sort of run on the flat last time and I wouldn't be shocked now if they just teed him up for it as best they could He's running off the same mark this year as he was so well fancied off last year. He's very much under the radar this year compared to last year anyway. And um, hey, look, he's, he's 16 or 20 to 1. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against it. Okay, Pyromania could be... You're talking about an each-way selection here? Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. 16s plus Pyromaniac is uh, for the feature race on Thursday at Galway, the Guinness Galway Handicap Hurdle. Rory Delargy, your thoughts on the race? Um... One thing I'll say about this, looking at the market for it, it's a horrible race to be betting in now. Mm. No one's taking any chance. I know it's eight to one the field, um, but you, you've got about 30 horses at 20 to one or shorter. Mm. Uh, and it makes no appeal as an anti-post event. So the one one I'd be interested in, not guaranteed to run the way it looks at the moment, but I think it probably will sneak in. Uh, and, and not as sexy as one or two others in the colours, after rain. Oh that'll, that'll my really God! <laughs> oh, what? We've uh, we uh, I've talked about this horse a little bit in the podcast oh. in the past, Rory, and it hasn't gone well. I have to say, I think you might have been my one of my handicap hurdlers to follow last oh, season. Follow over yeah, but, a cliff. Yeah. But in fairness to him, he's not been he's not been blowing out. He no. keeps running really well and shaping better than the result. I know he's yeah. the kind of horse that. If you've been if you've been stung once or twice on before, you wouldn't be mad keen to once get or twice. Yeah, but, but I, I've not been stung in after rain. You see, <laughs> you need to hit the multiply button I've, there, my friend. <laughs> I've never touched after rain before at all. But he's not going to be any kind of short price if he lines up for this, mm. because because JP's got four or five uh, other horses in the contest, and it'd be interesting to see who runs in the end. By the way, interesting that uh, the Tony was quite keen on um, um, on Western Boy. I backed him in the Supreme. Oh, um, the year. Oh, that's right. After he gave Votour a good race. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought that was decent form. Which, surprisingly enough, it was. Um, <laughs> uh, and we now know that Votour couldn't go right-handed. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, we didn't know that at the time, did we? <laughs> yeah. But still, no, I, I think it's a fair point. And um, you, you'd take your hat off to Pat Fahey if he won this, given how difficult Western boys clearly been to, um, to train in the meantime. Um, and he's done a really good job with them. Uh, another one on the same colours, Project Blue Book, has clearly been been lined up up for this by by John Quinn. Right, um, cracker, Cheltenham. As a four year old, he gets he gets a decent weight alliance and gets mm-hmm. in there with ten stone five. He's not without a chance either. Um, but as I said, this is one of the few times when um, you're going to get a price a bit after in if he does line up. Actually, these English yeah. these English trained horses are chucked in in Ireland. That and he's already made the trip over to Ireland and and uh, taken a grade two. So chucked in. Uh, he could be very very interesting. <laughs> Would that be your selection, sir? Are you going to go with with Project Blue Book in the end? No, I'm 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 going to see if I can get one over on uh, on Mister Blake by going for after rain. Uh, but you know, it's one of those. See if he's declared or not. It, there's every chance he won't. He either won't get in the race or he won't be declared. I really hope he doesn't um, run because I'm going to have to back him again and I'm just going to be sitting he, there he, in tears. If he, does, if he does line up, he's not going to be the kind of price he's been yeah. um, for handicap hurdles before. No, you make this, it, you, this might just suit him, actually. It was the old Pierce hurdle that he yeah. was backed off the boards for a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Where is Shea Barry training now? He used to be in Piltown where Joseph O'Brien is. He trains in a really interesting place, actually. Um, he trains on the estate owned by Lord Waterford. What's the name of the place? Um, 
I only read an article in the paper about it recently. It's the, it's like the biggest intact estate in the country. Wow, beautiful place. It had a, a it has it's a really old aristocracy. Has a really interesting <laughs> history. Yeah. Um. Uh, give me two seconds. I'll find the name of it here. It's down in Waterford Way. Anyway. Okay. Is is it like um an old English estate or castle? Oh yeah, huge place. Huge place. Um. Bear with me now. Literally only read about this the other day. Because I I saw a a story about one of the very few. Um, old aristocracy uh, estates, and it's actually a castle, and it's in Curramore. Ireland. Is it Curramore? Oh, I can't remember. The, the The family still live there. They still have, they still have the castle, and they've opened it to tourists now for the first time. To yes, Curramore. Curramore. There, there you go. Yeah, so, look up that if you if you like a bit of history in that. Um, so that's in Waterford. One. Yeah. So it's not too far away from where Shea used to train, so at Piltown. No, it wouldn't be a million miles away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that is the feature race on on day, on Thursday. There it is. Uh, Curramorehouse.ie Kevin Blake is just about to turn the laptop around here so I can get a picture of it. My God. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, that is seriously impressive. Look that up, folks. Curramore House and Gardens. .ie and um, tell him we sent you <laughs> and we want a discount and a free stay as well because uh, we're easily bought uh, the feature race at Goodwood uh, before we actually move to Gal- to uh, Goodwood is there anything else at Galway on the Thursday that interests you as a bet Kevin Blake there is because you've got you've got that look in your eyes all of a sudden no that, that look in my eyes is pure panic <laughs> uh, Tony Keenan is there anything else for you on the Thursday no not yet too early all right Kevin? Move on, move on. Oh, God almighty. Let's go to Goodwood. Uh, this is, this is, I cannot wait for this race. I can't emphasise enough how much I'm looking forward to this race. Oh, I, I, I might have one for you, actually. All right, go on. Me winning Ladies' Day. Uh, there you go. Have the bet. She's going to be... The problem The problem with you winning Ladies' Day, though, D, is that you're going to be threes on. Smooth. <laughs> Smooth. No, but I will highlight the the really obvious. It it might be his 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 best shot in the handicap all week for DK. All right. It'll be one. It'll be very popular now. It's Dalton Highway. Okay. He um he bumped into Michael O'Callaghan's gamble last year, finished second to him, um, and it looks like, well, he he was very eye catching behind the McGregor Nader at Nace last time, and you can only imagine this has been his big target. All right. Name of that horse again. Dalton Highway Dalton Highway on the Thursday is another horse to watch out for Galway for Kevin Blake uh, Kevin will be working for at the races uh, on the day all of Galway is live on ATR for the entire week but at 3.35 Kevin will be making his way to the nearest screen that's showing ITV so he can see his beloved winter uh, step up to one mile and two furlongs for the first time. Her form was once again franked today by stable companion Roly Poly, who once again proves that these war fronts, they really thrive at three. Uh, she added her second Group 1 win of the season in the pre-Rothschild uh, over in France. Winter stepping up on trip, she's a short price favourite, but in opposition to her is Shudder Speed, who was disappointing last time out of France, but had looked very impressive prior to that. Somi Dar for John Gosden and the one-armed Frankie Dettori. Queen's Trust 
who ran an absolute stormer at Royal Ascot and was one of the most eye-catching performers of the week and we know is a Breeders' Cup winner. Uh, Wahida, who ran a stormer behind Roly-Poly last time out and should surely improve as a big price. This is going to be a fantastic race. And of course, we just had Desi Scahill's birthday. Desi, happy birthday. Hydrangea is in the lineup as well <laughs> and, and could be coming with a tremendous later on. Um, I love winter and I so badly want to see her win this race that I'm almost afraid that emotion and bets will get too mixed up and I'll go in too heavily on her so I think this is going to be a lucky 31 selection sit back and watch but or a lucky 57 for you terrible reason Um, but that's terrible I really want her to win because I'm just I I think I would love to see this horse if Ripchester beats Churchill I'd love to see her clash with Ripchester later in the season you don't like her enough to put her in a single so you put her in a lucky 57 because you can't let emotion (laughs) rule your betting and she's a short price as well (laughs) that's just terrible (laughs) and the betting book will be available soon (laughs) on Amazon.com uh, I love oh. I love winter and I'd love to see her win this. Oh, Will she, Kevin? Blake? Oh God, watch and race, watch and race. I'm hoping they don't get any more much more rain there, because um, that will only put more emphasis on stamina. Um, look, she she did it a bit better last time. She did it a bit more professionally. She said a little bit better, which would give you encouragement. But oh God, it's a tough ask. Out of a sprinter, but Laddie Spoker too, a Royal Ascot winner. But he did say to you, Aidan O'Brien, when you interviewed him at the start of the season, that he considered her a, a middle distance filly. Well, he says she physically looked more of a middle distance filly than a miler, but for me, she's always shaped like a miler. Um, she certainly, she certainly settled a bit better last time, but she still looks like a miler to me. Um, you won't get a bigger winter fan than me now, but I. This would be a race for me to sit way back and right. watch. If you were going to take um, her on, who would you take her on with? Ooh, that is the question. There's the question. I honestly don't know. But uh, I do know that one-armed whitefish Frank the Tory is clearly a formidable opponent. <laughs> <laughs> Roy DeLarge. The feature race at Goodwood on Thursday. The Qatar NASA Stakes. Uh, is it going to be Winter's Day again? There's no, uh, no sitting this race out. Ooh. One of the bets of the week here. Ooh. Oh, Queen's Trust? Queen's Trust. Yeah, Read your mind, Delargy. Yeah. Typical stouty four-year-old improver. Yeah. He loves these fillies and he loves these four-year-olds. God <laughs> he's, almighty. Yeah, he's been a, I'm not going to go down the Sir Michael style four-year-old improver route, but <laughs> um, she was a massive eye-catcher in the Prince of Wales. Yeah. I, th- I thought she could have poor ride. I mean, she's she's always ridden as if she's got quirks, and yet I've not really seen those quirks. She's frequently ridden out the back and asked to make her grind quite late in the day. Um, and I'm hoping they're going to go a really strong pace here, but Goodwood suits something that can come with a sustained run down the outside of the field, and I think she's got an outstanding chance here. I, I'd, I agree entirely with Kevin. I like Winter a lot, but she's got such a high cruising speed that I cannot believe for a second she's a mile and a quarter horse. If you trained her to to stay this trip over a period of time, then then she'd be fine, I'm sure. I think you know stamina isn't always entirely inherent. You can you can teach horses to settle and to stay longer trips. And of course, um, Aiden got Airwave to win at a mile, yeah, and she was yeah. a brilliant five furlong horse. So you know, if if Aiden wanted to, to aim winter at a bunch of mile and a quarter, mile and a half races next season, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we managed to do that. But she's been trained as a miler this year. She's looked a miler through and through. She's also looked like a horse that I would happily back at seven furlongs mm. because of the of the pace that she's shown in her races and how well she's travelled. Um, I can't be having her at a mile and a quarter. 
And there's always the possibility that she will be written to conserve her stamina as well, which I don't think would help her. I think she needs to be written to use her speed. Um, and I think she, I must, I must suggest she wants to be written from the front, but she needs to be written with a degree of aggression. And because of the longer trip, it might not do that. Whereas I think, um, I think Queen's Trust is very, very good. Despite the fact she's won a, a, um, a Breeders' Cup, I still don't think we've seen the best of her. She's hinted three or four times that she is capable of an absolutely massive performance. And she showed that again last time out. Um, strictly speaking, I think her run last time is the best form in the race. Mm. You know, even comparing that to what Winter's done. Winter, obviously, when you've got a brilliant three-year-old filly, they can take the game to new heights, as we saw at the weekend with the Nable. Um, and if this was a mile race, I'd still be all over Winter. But in a mile and a quarter, Queen's Trust looks an absolutely fantastic bet. All right, and she ran a cracker behind Minding in this race last year as well in a much smaller field. Um, in terms of the campaigning, the fact that they've stepped up, they've taken roly-poly to the mile races and she's gone and, and done the job for them. It's kind of like, Tony was making this point a couple of weeks ago on the show. It's like the Minding Alice Springs uh, thing that they've discovered that roly-poly can be a good sub for these group ones and they've managed to get them with her. But maybe they feel the time is right for winter that she can step up and that she'll just be able to outclass them. I, that's probably their hope they're just looking to look at the end of the day they're fillies so they can afford to take chances and if she does prove to stay a mile and a quarter it'll widen her options significantly going forward I'd imagine she's a filly that'll be back next season do you think they'll keep her in training? I don't see why not why wouldn't I they? suppose it's the new policy for them yeah. so they kept minding in training yeah they, they can do they can do more good in training I think than, than yeah. out in the field and in the pole. programme book is very uh, very attractive now for exactly. fillies as well yeah. and mares uh, Tony Keenan your thoughts on what is the race of the week in my opinion um, basically everything Rory said there uh, I'd be a big Queen's Trust fan I think if you go back to a form last year particularly the run in the Yorkshire Oaks behind Found and Seventh Heaven. Like both of those are well able to mix it a mile and a half with Coates subsequently. And I think Queen's Trust is much better at 10 than she is a mile and a half. She travelled actually all over that pair in York last year. I think as Rory says, the last time out looks to be the best form. Ulysses has shown that in a, a very good late since. And yeah, I hope the ground isn't too soft, uh, soft but um, yeah, she'd be the one for me anyway. Okay, uh, that's the feature race. Anything else on the card on the Thursday, Rory, that you want to highlight for our listeners? Yeah. Um, in the nursery that follows that. Ho-ho! Uh, n- nothing dark. So you look at nurseries and you think, right, let's look for one for a horse that's had three runs and it's going to improve a stone. <coughs> As a rule, especially in, in quality nurseries, that's not the way forward. You want to deal with horses who've shown decent form already. And I was very surprised to see um, a filly of the class of Bilsden Brook, number five in the weights here, getting seven pounds from Roland Rocks um, and six pounds from Ventura Knight, who was uh, well beaten the other day. I think Bilsden Brook, who's dropped up for this, um, written by Sean Levy, Ryan Moore, also riding for the yard, riding uh, Tangled. I like Bilsden Brook a lot. I know she was... Um, was beaten in Lister Company last time out, but she's got very, very good form. Um, she she ran well. She was she was odds on favourite to beat Nyaletti uh, in a, um, a a novice race at Salisbury uh, two starts ago. That looks very, very good form now. Yeah. Um, she then bolted up in a maiden at Kempton, and she was part of a of a um, a leading bunch who went too hard in a, in a good listed race at Sandown last time out. 
um, the star stakes. Uh, she traded at seven to one on in running that day and was beaten a neck in the end. Uh, she did best of those who were up at the pace. They went a bit too fast. But she's got four really good speed figures to her name. Um, and she's she's a damn sight better than nursery class. Um, and if you told me she was running in a nursery at, at um, Aguba this week, I would suggest that she was carrying top weight and giving lumps of weight away. But uh, I mean, she might end up being top weight in that race, but she's number five in the weights um, with horses dropped up above her. I think she's got a tremendous chance. All right, Bilson Brook for Sean Levy and Richard Hannon in the nursery on the Thursday. Let's move on to the Friday at Goodwood, um, which just isn't as good a day's racing uh, in my view. But anyway, we'll move on. At the Qatar, King George Stakes is going to be the feature race, the 335. Uh, Rory, priceless, profitable, old favourite take cover who won last time out in great scenes. Uh, We've got Batash. Uh, Marsha, who was disappointing last time out of the Curry, getting turned over with long odds on favourite. Um, fascinating race in that respect. Who are you interested in? Marsha. In short. Um, she was beaten last time out, and, and everyone slagged her off for it as if it was a terrible performance. The horse who beat her was the, the horse who won the dash at, at Epsom prior to that, and is a very, very good horse on his day. Um, and the type, you know, it was a small field event, and she. She came there to win the race and looked like she was going to win Coldly and just got worried out of it in the end. It wasn't the ideal setup for her. She wants a really strong run five furlongs. Um, she was beaten in this race last year, but she was very inexperienced coming into it. Um, and she's clearly improved an awful lot. She got the best form in the race. There's no doubt about that at all. Um, carrying a penalty in the Palace High Stakes was a tremendous performance. Obviously won the Abai last year as well. If she brings her A game, she's, she's the best horse in the race. Um, she's getting weight from the, the majority of them as well. And it shouldn't matter massively given her run style where she's drawn. I'm surprised how big a price. And what price is she at the moment? Have you got the you can get, in front you of can get about seven to one and, and plus, I that's think. A, that's a ridiculous. She, she, she has to be something like a five to two shot for this. Yeah, well, she was considering the price she was for the King Stand. Yeah. And this is a much lesser she ran, race. She ran a really good race in the King Stand. Yeah, fantastic race. And it, 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 all she's got to do is run to the same level as she ran in the King Stand and she pretty much wins this. So how is she seven to one is completely beyond me. I do like um Batash, he's impressed me in his last two starts, but they've both been at Sandown. And for a horse who's only shown his form at Sandown, um, I'd just be a little bit concerned until he can show it elsewhere. Because you know, the way the Sandown races pan out uh, is different uh, to the way races pan out at Goodwood. He could be absolutely fine, and he was very impressive last time. And indeed, the time before that, when you look back on the race. He did really well to win from where he was drawn. So I do like Batash, but he's a, sh- he's a shorter price than her. Yeah. And he doesn't yeah. quite have the same form as she has. Uh, Marsha, you were on duty on Irish Oaks Day for at the races, Kevin, when she was beaten. As Rory says, she got a right slagging off that day, but you can you you can excuse that performance, I think. Yeah, look, I'd echo what Rory says, to be fair. Um, I think he would sh- I wouldn't be shocked if she bounced back. Uh, she was beaten by a very hardy performance on the day and I think these circumstances would probably suit her a bit better than those that she met with at the, at the car. Too big a price too, isn't she? Yeah, I could see the case, definitely. Anything else at Goodwood on the Friday for Roy Delargy? Um, I don't think so. All right, let's move on. Let's oh, sorry, move. Hold on a second. You've got the, you've got the sorry, you've got the Petfred Mile, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sh- uh, I, I thought Blair Price was the interesting horse in that. Which one? Blair House for Charlie Appleby. Blair House, okay. One for the notebook. It was second in the Hunt Cup, despite not getting um, the, run, the run of the race. In fairness, the only horse he got the run of the race was the winner that day. Blair yeah. House did really well. 
travelled best of all and made good ground from from midfield to throw in a big challenge with half a furlong to run. And that was his first run of the season. So he's a blindingly obvious one um, to to improve that. And I think he's the one they've got to beat. Guinness Handicap is going to be the feature race at Galway on the Friday. Anything that interests you, Kevin Blake? Anything in the notebook? Oh, I'd be lying if I said I've gone... Let's not make you a liar, so Kevin Blake. Let's not have that happen. We don't want the Twitter trolls coming out and having a pop at you <laughs> on the old Twitter.com. Tony Keenan? No, I should have not even done the five day declarations for this yet. Um we could we'll tell a bit more when we see the five days tomorrow. Um I'd echo what Rory said about Marsha though. I think she did the quickest finishing section at the core all season the last day. That was just a race that really wasn't run to suit with Caspian Prince getting um Soft lead, I know you shouldn't really get a soft lead in any five forum race, but there's only a few of the minute, and, and it just sits on spared that he did. So, yeah, that, that seven to one looks pretty big, I have to say. Okay, I'm going to take that seven to one. Uh, the bet of the week runs for me on Saturday at Goodwood. Aye, aye. Bet of the whole week. Bred by the, by the Nearcos family. Ran for the Nearcos family for quite a while. Uh, eventually, they did away with him. Uh, he went from David Lanigan to David Simcock. And he has been unlucky on his last two performances, particularly last time out when he had no chance. Uh, I was on TalkSport 2 with um, Will Gavin and I put him up that day and it was so frustrating to see him finish so quickly. But I think today, Saturday will be his day. Polybius in the Stewards' Cup, who is still a double-figure price and that's who I will be weighing in with. But Rory DeLarge, you're the one we really want to hear from on this. Who will you be going for in the Stewards' Cup? Um, I like... And I've got to dig the living horse out again. Um, the Ellsworth horse. Um, so dance a lot. Mm-hmm. He's number 44 on the list and he's not guaranteed to get in. Um, and he must be a biggish price. Again, I don't know the prices in front of me. You may well do that. About 14s, 16s. All right, okay. So that's shorter than I thought he would be. Um, again, Andy Poole's betting's dead, isn't it? Yeah, it's finished. No one wants to go a big price about anything. Yeah. Um, whereas... Later in the week, you might get bigger prices about that. Uh, and you'll get bigger prices on the exchanges about Sir Dancelot because if it looks like he's going to miss the cut, people have this ridiculous habit of offering bigger prices about horses that are not going to get into the race, um, which is bonkers. You you either get your money back if you don't get in, or you get in and you've got a great chance. And Sir Dancelot's a horse I liked a hell of a lot as a two-year-old. And he was tried up to a mile. He ran on the Racing Post Trophy. He looked the best horse in the race, in the Racing Post Trophy blatantly failed to stay a mile and to be honest I thought he only just got seven furlongs last year his most impressive run was at York over six when he absolutely tanked through the race held up and came through to win he came back to form having had a fairly quiet start to the season um, when second in the Bunbury Cup last time out he was doing his best work at the finish there but I actually think that a helter-skelter race at six furlongs a really high class race Will, will suit him down to the ground. That's how he looked to me last season. Um, he's bound to, I think he's got more improvement in him because for whatever reason, he didn't start this season in the form he finished last season, but he proved that he trained on with the second in the Bunbury Cup. And I just think that, a, you know, a really strongly run six furlongs will suit him even better. He might just be the type who'll be suited by six furlongs at Ascot or something rather than Goodwood, but um, he could just be a handicap lot there. All right, Sir Dancelot. On the list, I'd be interested in him. Okay, so if he can get in, Sir Dancelot for David Ellsworth. Uh, if he doesn't get in, who, who would be your alternative, Rory? Uh, that's a very good question. I did find one. But I can't think for the life of me what Just, just say Polybius. <laughs> Not against Polybius at all, to be honest. 
That's enough. Put you off. That's enough for me. While you're looking at that, by the way, you can still hear that Rory is not well. Oh yeah, sorry. I know the one, the other one I picked out, um, who's who's blindingly obvious. Watched a terrible luck this season. Is a Ryan's ball who's guaranteed yeah. a run. Timmy's to be source. Yeah. Okay, uh, that is the feature race on the Saturday. Kevin Blake, you love a big field handicap. Have you cracked this puzzle? If he says George Bourne, I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do you know what? He just got bogged down in the mud the other day, didn't he? I'm, uh, I'm he's, gonna... ki- he's killing himself missing the kick. Yeah. I'm he... going to end up backing him again the next day. I know. Yeah, he'd sicken you now, but he just, he, he, the last twice now, he's just killed himself by missing the kick. He's, um, he's the flats jacket, I'm. He's frustrating now. But. Except for the fact that Jack Adam wins the John Durkin every season. So, oh, stop. Anyway. Thank George. He, wanted, had, his he, did, he had his big day at Nottingham, but hopefully there's a bigger day to come. Right. The the big field. I mean, this is one of the big betting races of the week, which always fascinates me that we tend to put so much money on races like this because they're so competitive. But I guess the nature of us as betters is that we want to try and crack the puzzle and be right. So having looked at it, you seem to be more interested in handing over to producer D and saying, producer D, who's going to win the Stewart's Cup? <laughs> I was going to say, what are you Why are you pointing at producer D when you mean Tony Keenan? That was my move on, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Keenan, do you have a view in the Stewart's Cup? <laughs> I'm going ads on here, no. <laughs> um, no, but I have a view in the consolation race. <laughs> All right. Well, it's the same race. It's exactly the same race. I'm going to do um, no, no interest. That is our thoughts on the big betting race. I should say that's Rory's thoughts and my thoughts on the big betting race. Uh, the other two boys, not interested. Um, Rory Delarkey, wrap up Goodwood for us. So as a whole, anything else to be getting involved in? Um, yeah, I've, I've had to write a couple of pieces for, for Goodwood. And as we said, that the issue with, with the weekend is you don't have any entries to look at other mm. than for the um, the Stewart's Cup and the, uh, and the Constellation race. Whereas at least we have entries for the uh, well, the declarations even for the first day. So there were a couple that I um, that I liked in the handicaps there, and we don't have. I'm sure we don't have prices, but uh, one I really liked in the, the Phillies handicap that, that closes the day, five fifteen. The smarter bets with Matchbook Betting Exchange Phillies handicap. Oh, now, oh, that's some good branding. <laughs> now Delargy's plugging That's some Get that's some here. good branding there. Now we have two of them. That's stuff. And Rory Delargy will join me on Thursday for a Matchbook Betting Podcast special on Goodwood. Where, where's our gravy, Tony? I mean, we were getting none of this matchbook gravy. <laughs> There's time. Much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. The rivalry is on. Um, There's time for you to get the gravy. Plenty of time. Anyway, go on. Yeah. You're being rudely interrupted here, Tony. Uh, Rory, um, even. God. I was very, very taken um, by a filly called Tributite um, who won at uh, Doncaster last time I with Tom Quinney on board. Um, Tom was riding with tremendous confidence on the day. He had a double on the card, and neither of them he put under maximum pressure. Um, and both horses he rode won very narrowly. She was an even money favourite for a, for a small field handicap, um, having won at Kempton. She's a very well bred filly. She's she's um, owned and bred by the Elite Racing Club out of um, out of a, a mare called Sister Act. Uh, she ended up winning by what a head, short head. Um, in that Doncaster race, but I thought she could have won by three or four lengths if Tom wanted to. She beat a, um, a filly called Shenanigans of uh, Roger Varian's, but I thought she had plenty in hand. And although when you look at the ratings for the race, um, there'll be two or three horses with with, um, uh, with with higher race card ratings than her, she looked filly going places and a filly with a bit in hand. Whether she'd want an awful lot of dig in the ground is, is another question as well, but 
Um, as I said, it's difficult to know what the ground is going to be like in the first day, um, but the weather forecast is good, and the best ground they're going to have is going to be at the end of the card. So she was interesting. Uh, and the other one that I was quite interested in um, on the, the opening day uh, was in the um, the previous race, the, the new and lingued handicap over uh, five furlongs. And I look at it hoping the horse that I like is still in the race, Dark Shot. Now, Dark Shot was, um, was second in the, the dash at Epsom and was last for the furlong to run and ended up getting within a nose um, off the winner um, and give me the fright of my life because I'd napped the winner at 25 to 1. Um, and I thought I thought I might have been done on the line, um, but Darkshot didn't quite make it. Now, since then, he's been beaten three times. But the first of those was an enlisted company on very fast ground at Salisbury, when he ran at least as well. Uh, and he's then won over six furlongs at Windsor. I don't think he stays... I don't think, well, he was over six at Salisbury, but I don't think he stays six furlongs nearly as well as he stays uh, five. Um, I think he's best at the minimum trip, despite the fact that he was finishing like a train at Epsom. Uh, I don't think that means you want any further. And then he was beaten again at Windsor at a short price last time out. But he came up the middle of the track, uh, and the horses who finished first and second came from behind and came up the um, the inside rail, the stands rail. It was definitely favoured on the day. I think you can draw a line through that run. And because he's been beaten three times now since Epsom, um, you're going to get a half-decent price. He's on roughly the same mark. I think he's, he's a pound or two higher. Um, and the the dash is one of the most competitive five furlong handicaps of the entire season. Um, and um, that dog shot's going to be, hopefully going to be a half-decent price for that five furlong handicap. Yeah. Good work will suit him really well. Yeah, he handles undulating courses and Andrew Balding, yeah. of course, you can, just, you can see that they lined him up for this. I like that. I like dark shot. That is a good selection. All right, let's find out the best bets for Galway Ooh. and for Goodwood. It's amazing that you were stunned that I was going to ask for a best bet on a Goodwood and Galway preview podcast, Kevin Blake. So let's start with the real star of the show. Producer D, your best <laughs> bet of the week. I'm going with Binky. Oh, she's stolen your thunder. That's Tony's. Poor old Tony's been done. <laughs> right, so Benky's the best bet of the week for producer D. Let's get a lucky 31 or lucky 15 no, going here. stop. Kevin Blake, best bet of the week. If Andy <coughs> illustrates the, the folly of doing these sort of bets, it's us putting them up at the end of every podcast because we've never even come remotely close to that one. This is the week. If anybody was actually doing these, they'd be so skinned. This It'd is the week. Unreal. Well, they'd be skinned if they were back in George Bone every time he runs. Uh, stop. <laughs> Keep the faith. We all remember the Curra. It's a long time ago now, son. Yeah, I remember the remember the Curra on the Irish State Ledger Day when I walked in to the bar late and and Dee just looked at me and shook her head and said, No, didn't. (laughs) (laughs) He he didn't do it. Uh, your best bet of the week. I'd probably say Swamp Fox, you know, in the in the Benke race. Good man. Oh, you can't do that. Well, you asked me for my best bet. That's All right. my best bet. Let's Never say that's, your, that's your best bet. Who's your next bet? Next, next best. Oh, Jesus. Um, slow motion. Slow motion. All oh, right. I like it. And they got away played. Roy Delarga, your best bet of the week. Queen's Trust in the Nassau. Tony Keenan. Um, Western by in the goal of Hordle, I suppose, the one that's left. All right. Now we'll go with Polybius in... Uh, the big handicap on Saturday. Uh, hopefully, uh, he can get the job done in the Stewards' Cup. I spy with my little eye something beginning with F. Uh, Kevin Ryan needs to change a look. Herpes. Getting 
his horses, by the way. His equine problem. He runs... <laughs> He runs, he runs a horse in a two-year-old race, gets beaten by a three-year-old. Uh, and, <laughs> and Flaming Spear finally gets to, to run and it hasn't worked out, but he's entered twice, He's including Galway. He could run on Sunday, Galway, uh, but he's in the Bedford Mile uh, at Goodwood on the Friday as well, but he could turn up to, to Galway on the Sunday, which would be interesting. Sunday? Yeah. He's entered in the Irish Stallion Farms EBF Handicap, Premier Handicap. Seven furlongs? Uh, it is... It'll have to be seven for long race. It is a seven for long race. Is it the Saturday? No. Uh, August Sunday. August sixth and Sunday. It would be genuinely interesting if he if he, if he ran there. Fantastic! It'd be fascinating. You would say off-putting given he's got a, a, an entry in the, the Bedford Mile, but mm. Kevin loves a winner at Galway, doesn't he? Yeah. Does he have yeah. any other entries at Galway? I don't think so. No, he he really really likes to to get one at the meeting if he can. Yeah, I'd love to see him come over because this horse has got a big race in him for sure, and he's going to become well. He already is. Oh, because he's a Galway He's going to end up the ultimate cliff horse. Oh, he does for sure. He already is in a way. Already is in a way. Okay. Um, our good friend Robbie McNamara has been in touch, uh, and best of luck to Robbie uh, as the season continues. We're going to have him back on the show very, very soon. Now, Robbie is going to line up. He's got a three-year-old handicapper, and he's lining the horse up for a trip over to the UK. And he's decided that the track to go for is Yarmouth because he's going to fancy winning a two-year-old race. <laughs> <No worries. laughs> this thing was an absolute farce. Uh, just, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, everyone said, "Oh, we should be doing this check, that check." The checks are fine. The checks are fine. You know, the, this was just just a, a dose of massive incompetence like that led to this. Gross incompetence. Um, and look, everyone, you know, Charlie McBride, I'm sure, is a smashing fella and everyone else, but himself, the sta- his staff, um, made a massive boo-boo here. Well, having been a race planner and having uh, led horses up to the track, having worked exactly oh, look, doing I, this kind of thing... I, I, look, and... How does this come about? Look, some horses, some horses look similar, and you can make an honest mistake. But you'd you'd hope that the trip between the trainer and the last and everything else that um, such a mistake wouldn't be made. Um, There's a suggestion there that most trainers have seen their horses before. Yeah, the, I would say uh, sometimes would say that is the case. The saddling boxes are the first time some trainers have seen their horses. Does, does this give more weight then to the argument of when a stable tour is going on and trainers going, "Oh yeah, that's uh, that's that's Johnny Johnny Numbnuts. He's a fine horse. Uh, we gelded him the other day. He's he's got a big thing. Uh, Absolute spoof. That's that's D's surprise there. We think that one's got a that's uh, that's Blake's diamond. That that's that's going to be a good one as well. Yeah. Nonsense. Oh, the thing is, you, you bring a horse into the track, they they scan it at the gate. And they say, okay, that, that's Emmett's glory. You're in stable 26. <laughs> and you bring Emmett's glory in 26, and that's it. You're not, you're not checked again after that. Mm. You know, but to be fair, most horses would have some sort of distinctive marking, and you, you'd know immediately, like, you know, some, some horsemen have four white socks, you know, and, and a big white but face. They, and, do, and, both, and, they do both, don't they? They, they, they do the, um, um, the, the chip check and they do the passport, don't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well,. Yeah. Yeah, but that's on the way in. But yes, you know, yeah, w- yeah. once they're in, they're you know, it's kind of taken for granted that the people involved will bring the right horse and present the yes. right horse to yeah. to the race. Um, look, I, look, I'm not familiar with either of these horses. Looking at the 
the post-race shots that the horse that won the race, the three-year-old, didn't have any facial markings that I can see. I, was, I thought I heard someone no, say it might have had one white sock or something like that. But uh, look, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. Then they, they they should have, you know, obviously, I'm sure they will hold their hands up, take their punishment because they have to. It's I don't think it, it's, it calls for any great massive change in the systems that are there. Um, I could see the sense if it wasn't too much hassle to, to scan them. You scan them in the gate and you scan them going out the gate heading for the parade ring you know that wouldn't be that wouldn't take a huge amount of investment or change and that would um, or you could scan them in the winner's enclosure after they've won the race yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's, it's a handheld yeah. scanner it's, the, the equipment's there you know it's not a big deal to walk up to a horse's neck and wave the scanner and you get the number and that's it that, that's all it is they're, they're scanning a, ch- you, a microchip it, in their neck it's a, it in flapping races yeah, probably you check yeah. the winner of flapping races oh, sorry yeah. of, of, of pony races in Ireland yeah. um uh, in the winner's enclosure. So, although you might have the wrong horse running, you find out before the way in. Yeah, and that's, 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 that's the key. That's, that's what made that's it such a mess. Here. The, 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 you don't want the wrong horse running in the first place, but if the wrong horse does run, you don't want to find out half an hour after the race it's the wrong horse. Yeah, after, yeah. after the winner, all right. Terribly badly handled. And, and look, there can obviously be seen to be a, a big bias here, but hats off to Simon Mapletoff and the At The Races team because they handled it Brilliantly, I think Martin Kelly was on duty as well. Like they, they couldn't have have got the word out quicker. The the second that they got the information, they got it out there, and they couldn't have handled it better as well because there was no holding back. No, they did. Martin Simon went for it. Tomo even joined in as well. Uh, they talked yeah. to bookmakers who were incredibly frustrated. They talked to punters who were incredibly frustrated. Um, like I don't know if you're going around backing the odds-on shot, the Kevin Ryan horse. But you can be entitled to back it, and then you find that afterwards you've been done by a horse who's the wrong age. Yeah. Like the whole thing, just the, the optics of this are terrible. Absolutely, yes, a massive mess. There's, there is there's an underlying issue, not not simply with with the identification of horses, but the fact that you can have cock-ups like this, where bookmakers and I, I, I will slag off bookmakers till the cows come home for for treating punters unfairly, but you cannot expect bookmakers to take up the slack for an organisation that's screwed up yeah we've had the, we've had this with the phantom non-runner at, at ascot last season or two seasons ago um where they they buggered around and changed their minds and let the result stand and then changed the result and then realized everyone would be paid out anyway when something happens in a race a decision must be made immediately after the race and there was an interesting there's a horse that runs tomorrow actually a horse called weekend defender at air for kevin ryan bizarrely enough kevin ryan again um, who ran in a race at Hamilton where it was backed off the boards a while ago and it, it was it had a leg jammed in the stalls and a blindfold on when the race was started. Also, clearly no chance of taking part in the race um, and nobody getting any money back for that. The authorities need to be aware that there are certain scenarios that need to be dealt with very quickly and they need to be wise to them and they need to deal with them straight away. Um being able to scan the, the winner of a race in the winner's enclosure to make sure that it's the right horse before you give the way in is not that difficult to do because whatever logistical issues you have with scanning everything twice, it's not such an issue scanning the winner of a race. Yeah. Similarly, if a horse hasn't been given a chance to start properly, and they do this in states all the time, if a horse unseats its rider or loses its chance at the start, they immediately announce a steward's inquiry and say, we're, we're reviewing the start of this race. And then everyone can see on the big screen where they replay the start of the race 10 times in a minute or two. Yeah. And then they will make a decision saying it was a fair start. The horse reared up leaving the stalls. 
So no, that's, no refunds. That's, like, or they will we say would, refunds on that. We'd see that on the big days racing. Like when we talked to Candice about a big race and like she obviously works for TVG. So if you're watching their coverage, if you're watching it on At The Races, we we we've we're familiar with that, but that happens every race course in the states. Whether it's a a claimer race, exactly. an allowance race, they're constantly doing that. So how come the American authorities can get that? I mean, look, if we can always look at grass as greener syndrome, but in the UK wait until they have a disaster yeah. before they decide whether something yeah. needs looking at. Whereas it's it's blindingly obvious with certain scenarios that you need to be wise to it at the time, and no one is no one is thinking proactively. Um, and that's very disappointing. And there are other issues um, here that will come to head in the next year or two as well. Mm. There will be objections to winners um, who have been allowed to run. Uh, there's a rule, for example, that a trainer can can run a horse in different headgear to that which has been declared in if they've made a mistake. They pay 140 quid fine and they can run a horse in completely different headgear. That's the stupidest rule in the world. That's ridiculous. And it's only a matter of time before a horse wins wearing a pair of vi- wearing a visor that was declared to run wearing a hood yeah when it's always one on a visor and always gets stuffed in a hood and somebody says i object to this winner because it was not carrying the headgear it should have carried and then they go oh right well we've written a rule that says it can run but now that you object to it we see your points mm. and they're going to have another scenario they don't think proactively at all tony you've been unusually quiet sum this one up for us no, just, just goes what Kevin says there. Um, the rules have worked pretty okay up to now. It's what is it? One mistake out of eighteen thousand or something crazy like that. But should the people? That's not. That's not true, by the way. But that's not true, Rory. No, sorry. That's just what I read on it now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an authority on it. I haven't really taken a lot of interest in it. But um, the people that I suppose are responsible need to hold their hands up and just get on with it. And the scanners are not expensive. Handheld scanners, like a lot of trainers that would have a good few horses would, would buy them for their own use because sometimes horses go back into the wrong box, horses get mixed up coming off a walker, horses get mixed up and nobody yeah. can say with, with absolute certainty what's what. So they have the scanner there, scanners, look at the passports, that's him, that's I'm him. I'm pretty certain, I could be wrong, and I'll hold my hands up if I am, I'm certain Jim Bulger has that. Oh, look, the, the vast majority of trainers would have him, I'd suggest, at this stage, just for this very situation. Yeah. If there's any confusion or a mix-up, um, and there has been cases in Ireland. There was a case very recently in Ireland where a horse won, uh, won a few races, and like the, it was a case of mistaken identity. The horses had got switched when they came from the sales, and one ran as another for ages. And they subsequently that, happened loads of times. Yeah, they subsequently discovered it later, um, and they, they, you know the horses were disqualified and everything else afterwards. You mm. know, it's not a, it's not a hugely uncommon thing. But for that very reason, like trainers, I'm pretty sure the Turf Club recommends that trainers buy their own scanners just so they can kind of fix any issues at source and just be sure in their own minds that they have the right horse. Yeah. We were told this would cost over a million quid. I think what they were referring just- to with that solution was to put a kind of a an archway leading into the yeah. parade ring that would like scan them like like it would scan me or you going through an airport scanner yes exactly but you don't you don't need to no that, that, that seems overkill you can just have somebody who just literally like in the supermarket when you just scan yeah. it's, it's so simple oh. I don't think I don't think anyone else has mentioned this by the way but I did a little bit of research on this um, and it's, it's only a few years ago that an, an identical situation nearly happened with a top trainer involved uh, it was a bath Rafe Beckett had two horses, one a two-year-old due to run in a maiden, 
on a three-year-old due to run on a maiden. The three-year-old went to post for the, for the two-year-old maiden, mm. and it was only going in the stalls that the horse was, was um, spotted as being the wrong horse and withdrawn at that stage. So that, that went almost the whole way as well. Oof. It goes without saying that, you know, Rafe Bacon has half-decent horses. You get a three-year-old running and a two-year-old maiden. You've automatically got a got a, a fair chunk in hand there, don't you? Still <laughs> in there. Wasn't wasn't flocked in grey, wasn't that 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 was a very famous ringer case, wasn't that a three year old yeah. and a two year old race? Yeah, flocked in grey, yes, yeah. Who won by twenty five lengths? I think in a two year old. <laughs> little bit too far, seller or whatever it was. Yeah, want to be a little bit more subtle than that, lads. If you're going to try and pull that one out. The um, the optics <laughs> of this were just shocking. But hats off to Martin Kelly and to Simon Mapletoft because they were saying that people on course didn't know. They weren't being informed. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a mass panic. Oh, I, I can only imagine it was an absolute mass panic. Crazy scenes. That horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach when you know, uh-oh. Yeah, how do we get out of this jam, folks? Um, but yeah, exactly. This is, again, looking at wider issues. Um, the public on course, or indeed the betting public at home, or in betting shops or whatever, you're watching on TV, you don't get told stuff. You don't get told when horses have been withdrawn at the start, um, even though there is a procedure for, for how that works. That goes through about five different people before the broadcaster finds out that a horse has been withdrawn. So you don't know whether a horse who's been left at the start or taken out of the stalls is actually a non-runner or has come under orders. Um, if anything untoward happens, there's never any announcement after the race. Um, and, you know, race goers and punters are being treated like fifth-class citizens as far as this is concerned. Yeah. No. I could, I could buy you a scanner here for $200. There you go. <coughs> It's not. It's not that. It's not that difficult, folks. Um, the other news to emerge in the last few days is that Brian Cooper has lost his job as the retained rider to Kingston Stud. Yeah, big story. It's not, it's not my fault. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> the finger of blame pointed squarely at you, Delargy. I know it's been retweeted a lot of times. Yes, too. it has. Yes, it has. Um, look, big story. Not a shocker. I think it's fair to say, not a shocker for me. Uh, look, Brian is a fantastic rider. We all know that. I always got well, not always, but in recent years, I've got the impression that the that that job is the most challenging job in national hunt racing for me. It's a horrible job in many ways. You go, of course, you get to sit on an array of 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 top class chasers, top class hurdlers, but it's such a high pressure job. You know, not you know the O'Learys are are tough. They're results based. A businessman. Uh, they they're they're ruthless in that in that regard, um, in the pursuit of of, of results. Mm. But as much as anything, it's just the, their policy, which is a wonderful policy for all of us. In that they'll run multiple good horses against each other. That creates a nightmare situation for a jockey that has the choice, because you're going to get it wrong. Because they're all in there trying. That's that's a beautiful thing for Irish racing, for national racing in general. But it makes it exceptionally tough. It's going on to be a even, it's going to be more tough now because Brian had a very good record of picking the right horse. Well, he, but he got it wrong. There's plenty of second and third, fourth strings yeah. winning. And that's tough. That, that, but for a long time, he had a good record of picking the right horse. Yeah, but look, that, that thing weighs on a foul. Even if yeah. he's getting it right, you're always looking over your shoulder. Then you have someone like Jack Kennedy coming on and there'll be someone else after Jack Kennedy, another younger guy. You know, it's a very tough job. And I'd say, as, as he said when we interviewed him a couple of months ago on the podcast, he was, he was just coming back from injury. And he was talking about that, you know, how Jack was being talked up at the time. And, that he was... and, and sure, Brian's only a young fella. He's only mm. 24 still, I yeah. think. Yeah. And, you know, he's been riddled with injuries. And I just get the feeling that the whole thing is, has piled up on him a little bit. And it might have affected his riding a little bit. And it only needs to affect it a little bit to have results, um, negative results. And 
I think this is a good thing for Brian Cooper. I was just going to say, in the long term, because it is a retained, you know, you're, you're the retained rider to one of the biggest, if not the biggest owners in the country, the, the champion owners as well. It's a huge job for you to have. But perhaps being released gives him the opportunity to just not have as much weight on his shoulders in terms of decision making. He'll just let his agent decide which horses he gets to ride and he'll just be that little bit freer. Though I honestly think it'll be a win-win. If, if Gigginstown do what they've said um, in recent days that, that they'll do is in use kind of no, there's no retained jockey, but they'll use an array of jockeys. If they do that um, and continue to use Brian Cooper, I think this will be the best thing that ever happened both parties because I think not having the choice makes things so much easier for everybody involved. Uh, I think if, if Gigginstown have three in a race and they've got Jack, they've got Brian, Davey. and they've got David Mullins, we'll say, Davy Russell, Eddie O'Leary and Michael can match up horses to riders. And if 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 they think Brian Cooper suits Don Poli best, Brian Cooper will ride Don Poli every time he runs, no matter if he's first string, third string, fourth string, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they can they can work it like that. And I think that's that'll be best for the horses. Um, it'll be best for the riders because they don't have the burden of the of the decision on them. And Brian Cooper and the rest will still get on loads of nice horses and win Grade One races. But there just won't be that focus and that that that, that extra pressure that comes with being the number one. Um, and I think Brian will ride better for. I really do. He mightn't have the strength of ammunition that, that he had. Well, he won't. That's just factual. He won't have the strength of ammunition that he had when he had the, the choice. But I think there's there's definitely positive out, outshoots for that. I, I think it's I think it's going to be positive for both of them. Adrian Heskin lost a retainership in Ireland and it worked out brilliantly for him. It's like Davy Russell's hardly gone hungry, has he? Since, no. since he Thrived. lost that job. Um, yeah. um, they'd, all, Mullins, they'd all do just fine. That's a good example as well. Losing the same job as Adrian Heskin. And yeah. the, the pair of them, the world are good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that Gigginstown job is tough, and I think they've done. They're if they do what they said they've done, um, they're going to do. I should say, and, and not have a number one rider. I think that would be a great move for them. I think that would work best for Gigginstown. I think that would work best for the riders that that ride for them. Um, and while this will be interpreted by Manny as a, as a big slight on Brian Cooper and a terrible uh, a terrible day in his career, I would I wouldn't agree with that at all. I honestly think we'll we'll be looking back on this in five in five or six years and say, God, that was the right thing for everyone. His statement was all class. Oh yeah, you know, it generally, you know, the the it'd be a fair exception now where a fella kind of loses the head in this situation publicly. At seen least. it happen. Yeah. When rarely, but we've seen it happen. Ah, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, but the fact the fact that ties weren't cut yeah. means you'd be in, you'd be in each to to sign off. Oh, the, of course. Um, Course. Yeah, I, I, I think it was the timing was what shocked me. Like you're just about to go into Galway and you remove your retained rider. Strange timing, but look, there you go. There you go. Maybe we we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. Maybe there's something. Maybe there there's a situation that demanded that happened before Galway. But um, I'm not I'm not upset for Brian. I'm not upset. I think this is this will be a situation that turns out all right. Okay, hopefully we'll have Brian on the show in uh, well next couple of months, please God, before the new national hunt season. Um, Saturday, I have a memory of some member of the podcast saying, "You can't give ten pounds to a machine, Kennedy, and she's a machine." <laughs> then he goes and tips up Nels in the race, and then he goes and packs something else in the King George. Uh, man, I mean, like I was all over Highland Reel, but he didn't handle the ground. I think he probably did well to be fourth, but. Never mind that. This horse is absolutely something else. She is special. She's a machine, Kennedy. 
Um, fabulous performance uh, considering how freely she raced yes that was my concern in the midway through the race I was thinking oh she's yeah, in trouble here didn't get much cover raced much more freely than ideal um, made light of the of the conditions which were tough conditions and um, just bolted up Ulysses has run a good race in second uh, the race in behind those two has perhaps gone gone to pieces a little bit but we won't um, we won't sing too loudly about that um, off, she would have won the race off level weights I suspect oh yeah she would have um, you know it's it, it's great to see but now Johnny G give her a break Yorkshire Rogues next yeah. no terrible I, I, mistake I think it's not the right thing to do Johnny G will forget more about racing than you I Rory Tony and D will ever know but I don't know what he's doing running with the Yorkshire Rogues look it, it, she'll be fives on and she'll probably win but she might leave the arc behind her there yeah you know, I think the arc is what you want. Who cares about the Yorkshire Oaks, really? When you're dealing with a superstar filly like this, who cares about the Yorkshire Oaks? You know, give her a break. She like the, he he took a chance running her in the King George. I think that's fair to say. Two weeks after the Irish Oaks, when she had a little bit of a cut, probably not much of a thing now, but just two weeks after it, she's had a tough campaign. Uh, certainly, if we want to call it the, a tough first half of the campaign. Give her a little break. Give her a run before the arc, and away you go there for your big day. She has bolted up. Uh, in the Irish Oaks and she's bolted up here but both of those races are going to take a significant amount out of her and particularly on that ground yeah people think oh she won in the bridle you know she took nothing out of herself impossible that doesn't work like that mm. it doesn't work like that you run the the, the, the finishing effort she produced at, in the Oaks the finishing effort she produced here on, on tough ground having raced freely um, she you, you don't you can't do that easily they're not machines she's, she, we know she's a machine <laughs> lads but um, in, in real terms she's not a machine you know that that yeah. that costs. There's cost for that. Yeah. And uh, I I think you, you gotta give her a little freshen up. Maybe I'm very cautious with these things, but you gotta I, but you gotta give her a little freshen up. The arc is the day that matters now. That's the only race that matters from now until the end of the season. That's where her legacy will be sealed. Is the arc? And why would you risk compromising your chance now by running in the, the Yorkshire fucking Oaks? <laughs> Yeah. She's a superstar. What are you worrying about the Yorkshire Oaks for? And Tony Keenan, she is now a short price favourite for Europe's feature premier race. The Yorkshire Oaks. The Yark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I haven't really got a great look at this because, as you all know, I was doing the loyal county man stunt yesterday, going to Crow Park to see the magnificent Monaghan do the job. Now, yeah, man yourself. You're, ta- you're taking you this what, whole I'm from Monaghan thing a bit far, Tony. <laughs> pound for pound, the best county team in Ireland definitely be the population. We have to be, we have to be. Anyway, um, yeah, I would agree with what Kevin says there. Um, a little break might be all the other day after backing up quickly after the core of two weeks. Um, I'd just be interested, lads, the Ark long-term target, you miss the Yorkshire Oaks. Do you have a little prep run beforehand or what do you do? Ark trial day, maybe? He's, John, John Gustin suggested she would go for a trial. As well as the Yorkshire Oaks or skip the Yorkshire Oaks? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, he said he said Yorkshire Oaks break and then back for a trial before the arc. Bloody hell. Yeah. Would she come back as a and four-year-old? Yeah, straight after the race. Now, whether, whether that's what happens in another matter altogether. Her owner hasn't been afraid to keep horses in training at four, including the brilliant Frankel, thankfully. Holes. Could, you, could he keep a filly at four? No, he's, he's kept fillies in training as well. Yeah. Although he has a habit of sending them to the States. Or, or you know, or the other their fillies who've raced in the states. God, it'd be great if she came back. It it would be fantastic to see her remain in training. Also, worth pointing out, Khaled Abdullah, no spring chicken. True, very true. So he, he with, might be thinking, right, with no apparent let's, heir. Let's, let's stop thinking about building the empire twenty years down the line. 
let's just go for glory. Mm, yeah. Well, also, it's different uh, with a colt. You know, like if you're going to have a, a colt and you send that horse to stud, you're making huge amounts of money from every time they cover a mare. She can only be covered once in that season and have a fall. So mm. you are, it, it is worthwhile, as you've talked about with Winter, bringing her back in training to bring in Abel back next season and see what she can do as a four-year-old. Because I'm, the other thing about this, it, it, the, the more physically stronger she becomes, the more imposing she becomes, the more dominant she could be. Um, It's never easy working out how, how, how marriage are going to develop them. No, it's not. But you look at the three-year-old crop of Colts now. You're not exactly worried about them next season. No. Not yet, anyway. No. But, oh, God. No, I, I just hope things... Cause Look, I, I, I've, I've been mad about this filly since since Epsom, and I'm a bit odd. You know, sometimes people, when they really take to a horse, they get very bullish about them and can't see them beaten. When I get really fond of a horse, I'm looking for vulnerabilities the whole time. It's just in my nature. Yeah. And I was worried about the ground. I, I felt there was a step up in class, and she's out, just absolutely bolted up. She's bolted up again. Perhaps even more impressive than the previous two days, um, given the, the, the difference in opposition. She's so I, I just want I just want Gosling to look after her yeah. now, not not to you know not to uh, to, the, to the point where we only see her a few times a year, but just take a little pull. Forget about the Yorkshire Oaks. You can you can run in the trial, you can run in the arc, you can go to America after that if you like. I think don't think anyone would get upset if she was you know beaten through being over the top in her very last run of the season in the Breeders' Cup. But yeah. it would be terrible to leave the arc behind by going mm. a little bit too hard with her this time of the year. Frankie's just so enthusiastic about her as well. He is, isn't he? Well, Frankie's not might not have a million years left either. He might be, you know. I know he's had a bit of a renaissance, but he he'll be thinking in his head, "God, I might not sit on him anymore like this." Do a Mick Cannon and see the stars? Probably not. But he he can't have many this good left left in him. Uh, Tony, she's a such such a short price favorite for the Ark now. Would you be inclined to be looking for something to take her on with? Well, it's a long time away. Um, it's difficult to peak in Ascot in uh, late July and again in um, Chantilly in early October. So you mm-hmm. could definitely see a case for maybe looking elsewhere. Some of the maybe the French horses who are kept kept back for it. I suppose a lot will, will just depend on um, maybe what she does. In the meantime, will, will she have that extra run or two? Uh, ah, look, she, she, she looks she looks just a, just an absolute topper, but. Um, as I say, just just hard to maintain, maintain that sustained high level at, at such a bridge of months. Yeah, we should be enjoying her now because she's just an absolute monster of a superstar. Um, Rolly Polly got a second Group One of her campaign today in the pre Rothschild. I haven't seen this yet. I was down in the cave when the race was run. Yes, with D, uh, whatever the two. Oh, oh, D did not like me revealing that. D and Kevin down in a cave for the afternoon. Uh, instead of watching the Group 1 action from France and out the races. Mitchell Sound um, Cave, lads. Good good spin. No one's Go ever heard look. of it, but apparently it's very good. <laughs> uh, um, she's, you know, the days of her subbing in are over. She's a genuine Group 1 class horse now. Some trainer performance now, because who would have who would have bet on her winning two Group 1s this year mm, at the back end of the last not season? Not too many, I don't think. Not too many. Um, Tony, did you get to see the race? I, I, just, I just saw a replay of it back. Yeah, I... I like they're obviously the last day in the in the Falmouth today. I thought it was a tougher race with Kama and a few of those in it, so yeah. I left her alone. But um, yeah, she just seems to be improving. I, I suppose if you were fancy in winter uh, in the Nassau, it wouldn't um, do your confidence any harm anyway. No, it's certainly a nice boost of confidence there. And, and Rory, what did you make of her performance? Uh, I thought it was very solid. She's very straightforward. 
Um, she's easy to place in a race. I thought Kima shaped like the best horse of the race again, mm. but it came in for a horrible ride. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't Christian Demuro's best day. Now, in fairness, but yeah, but don't take very little away from um, from Roly Poly. But you wouldn't have marched her down as a a dual Group One winner a few weeks ago, would you? No, not at all. <laughs> but these war fronts, they thrive at three. They love it. <laughs> Indeed, they do. <laughs> This is turning out like the like the Monjews can't win at Cheltenham, and These then he ends up fronts, being they can't train on, and then he ends up being champion sire at Cheltenham the year Hurricane Fly wins his first champion hurdle. Uh, and on that bombshell, we are done. Uh, that is our look at Ascot and Goodwood. Uh, hopefully, there's some good uh, selections there for you, and hopefully, some good winners for you for the week as well. Um, talking about some of the big stories as well. Uh, thank you so much for all the kind words. But last week's podcast, we rambled quite a bit, Kevin and myself, but I quite enjoyed that. And um, it was very nice of you to say kind things to us. We've got uh, plenty of new listeners to the show as well. And thank you for tweeting us and letting you know, letting us know that you're on board with the Final Furlong podcast. Great to have you with us. Um, some people are loving the flat and have no interest in the jumps. Some people are loving the jumps and can't wait for us to get back to that. So we got a nice mix this week with Galway. Yeah, I, I tell you, this is obviously the first year we've gone weekly through mm. the summer. And I have to say that the numbers are very, very encouraging. Surprising, even because no, it's very way, way it's to play us down there. No, but the thing is, if you and it's remarkable, if you speak to any owner or operator of a big racing website, the trend, and we notice this with the podcast as well, is you start at the, well, start at the beginning of the national hunt season, climbs, 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 peaks at Cheltenham, starts the dip, entry punches down off a cliff for the flat and then starts to go up again at the jumps. That's, Open meeting. That's just the way it is mm. with racing. Uh, jumps racing is exceptionally popular in this part of the world. Flat yeah. racing lags a little bit behind. But in light of that, I am, I'm delighted with the numbers we're doing. They're very, very good. And it's um, perhaps a testament to the loyalty of our listeners. No, Thanks very much, lads. Really appreciate it. It's, and thank you for all the kind words and thank you for listening. Hopefully you're enjoying it. And uh, the five-star ratings have just had Kevin Blake dancing in caves with D. <laughs> Uh, instead of doing research, he's he's thrilled with them. It helps to get the word out there on Apple Podcasts, so we very much appreciate that. Uh, Rory's back with me during the week, um, recording a podcast with Haley Turner tomorrow from Matchbook. On Thursday, we're doing the second one as we look at Goodwood. Uh, Matchbook are the big Boo, sponsors of Goodwood. Shut up, Blake. You're never going to get in the gravy train for saying that. Uh, so you can hear the thoughts of Rory DeLarge, uh when he will have access to all of the runners uh, for Friday and Saturday on the Matchbook Betting Podcast when we record that on Thursday evening, Rory. Uh, Haley Turner, Stephen Harris and Neil Channing. Back from Vegas on me tomorrow as we look ahead to Google as well. Jobs. Yeah, Channing is back. Uh, right, from producer D. See you later, guys. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. From Tony Keenan. Happy Galway. <laughs> from, from Rory DeLarge. Have a glorious good night. <laughs> and from me, Emmett Kennedy, thank you so much for listening. We do hope you have a fantastic week at Galway and at Goodwood. Kevin Blake has been insistent that a particular song gets played Come on, uh, play it. To, to, to wrap up the podcast today, to such an extent that he was he was basically dancing around the studio, wasn't and he? And he's now going to dance. Just play and it. He's going to dance around the studio now as well. Have a great time at Goodwood. Have a great time at Galway. It's all live on At the Races. We'll see you next week on the Final Furlong Podcast. God bless. Station. My eyes began to dazzle and I have to see the races
Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app, yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.